tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today. 1800 938 007, our free phone number if you want to give Emma a call. She'll be happy to hear from you. Coming up on the show this morning, a reaction to the fist fighting on Liberty Square in Thurles at the weekend. Senior guardee and trauma specialists are urging parents not to give e-scooters to kids and to young teens this Christmas. We'll be hearing why. Uh, pause in crisis, the Animal Rescue Centre. Our agony aunt, Phil Prendergast, will be with us just after 11. We'll be speaking to the youngest promoter in the country, music promoter, that is. That's uh, Tipperary's Brian Buckley chatting about the music business to me. And we'll hear from, from some drama groups who are threading the boards over the next few weeks. So all of that and much, much more on the way. We'll also play match three, of course, just after 11 too. So you can text and WhatsApp 083 311 and you can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, all of the front uh, the front pages of the newspapers today, uh, images of the late Vicky Phelan, uh, the Irish Daily Mail, saying Vicky, a fearless warrior for Irish women. The Irish Times, again, a front page picture of Vicky and there will be others who continue this fight without me when I'm gone because we are all in this together. Again, a quote from Vicky. The Irish Independent dominated by a wonderful photograph of uh, Vicky Phelan and again a quotation, I don't want apologies or tributes, I want change. The Irish Examiner very thoughtful looking Vicky Phelan on the front of it and uh, just simply a headline there that says thank you Vicky. So that's right across the newspapers today. Also if you're picking up the Irish Daily Mail, um, uh, Tipperary's Alan Kelly has uh, a very reflective piece on page three about his friendship with uh, uh, Vicky over the years and it's well worth a read there as well so that's just a quick look at the newspapers uh, today if you want to react to uh, Vicky's passing or anything else in fact again 083 311 and now video footage of a fist fight between two men on the main thoroughfare in Liberty Square in fact in uh, Thurles last Friday it went viral over the weekend and uh, as you might have seen traffic was held up for a while while the men rather brazenly I suppose fought in the middle of the road without much thought to the disruption that they were causing. Now the Gardaí were on the scene very quickly but is it an indication of growing antisocial behaviour in Tipperary? Well Kira McCormick is a community activist in Thurles and has frequently contributed to this programme. She got in touch with us about this uh, via Facebook and Kira joins me now. Good morning to you, Kira. I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today, Kira. Do I get the feeling that you think that there was much ado about nothing where this was concerned? Well, well I think that's what we commented, and uh, thanks for the response to the comment. Um, look, obviously, it's not ideal for anyone to be hearing their grievances uh, in the middle of the square, and I don't condone violence, but mm. at the end of the day, and maybe I'm a bit desensitised, um, it was fairly. Um, to me, harm is that like no one was hurt. Uh, the guardy responded very quickly, but I suppose what irks me um, is straight away when something like this comes up, it turns into 
you know, um, a bit of a travel bashing mm. <laughs> exercise. And I just don't think that there's any good to come from division in the community. Straight away, it's all it's their culture boss, is that the other. And there's no thought for the individuals. I mean, what I'm not going to, I don't know what starts that on Friday, but um, it, it was commentary after. And again, you know, it, it it just breeds division in the community. Yeah, you you described it as being racist commentary, Kira, and assumptions made as well. For instance, you you make the point there was no funeral that there was day, no funeral so. that day, but there was a man buried, a, a very well respected man in the community, and you know, I'm mm. sure his family would have seen those comments and they're grieving, and it would have been very hurtful for them. Mm. And um, you know, it, it's just. It's the constant division when something like this comes up with the travelling community. Um, mm. Like, I would know one of those men personally, and he's a very good man. He's mm. somebody's father, he's somebody's son. Um, uh, we, uh, we we don't really want to personalise no, it, as you can to, imagine, Kira. I know well, that, yeah. well, But it, it is personal, because yeah. when people are seeing these comments about them, just because they're from the travelling community... They're not taken. They're not taken on as individuals. Their their individuality is not taken into account, mm. and their family's individuality. Like what happened there, I'm not condoning, but I'm just saying the commentary can be very hurtful and causes division and feeds into that internalised depression that is in the travelling community. That can sometimes lead to these things, you know. And nobody was hurt that day. Yeah, the traffic was held up. But guess what? The traffic in Torres is held up every day. It's brutal, yes, <laughs> you know. Sure, yeah. um, and I don't mean to be making light of it. I'm sure it was upsetting for some bystanders. But I'm just saying the commentary that constantly goes when something like this, hmm. when something comes and, up. And could I be devil's advocate on it for a moment, Kira? Because I'm often criticised for being pro-traveller, uh, criticised greatly, in fact, personally but sure, why into not my face. And all. I, I, why I, should you be well, there's the thing, Kira. I am constantly. In fact, a, a lady met me in a, a supermarket and she gave out yards to me because she saw me as being pro-traveller and taking their side all of the time. But could I make the point to you that, you know, from a traveller's point of view, does this not play in to the stereotype? Um, possibly, yeah. Yeah, it does. Okay, fair enough, it does. And, like, we all know that uh, Bare Knuckle Boxing is part of the, the travelling culture. Boxing and fighting is part of Irish history, you know, mm. we're known as fighting Irish. And again, I'm not condoning what happened, but I'm just saying the 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 when someone is attacked for their ethnicity, I mean, and it's it's individualized, it's it's putting the whole community under scrutiny mm. for the actions of individuals. And even I would say that what happened was very out of character, um mm. for one person there anyway. And um I just I just don't like the commentary that comes up and especially, you know, speculating about funerals when people are grieving. It's, it's it's a it's good just, point. It's and, not good for the community. And I have to say, with respect, I've uh, late at night I've travelled through Liberty Square and I've seen scraps that were not involving the travelling community. That yeah, I've have, seen certain people do yeah. way more, more damage yeah. to each other in that in that same square. Yeah. Um, you know, so and. I know it was a bit tongue-in-cheek, but the standard of boxing was actually quite good and it was very disciplined. Uh, there was no, you know, dirt or intention to kind of... Yeah, but still, I wouldn't like to have kids see it all all the same, you know? No, and kids did see it and my yeah. son got a video that was taken from the school bus and they... But I think it was more what the name of God is going on. Yeah. Um, then, you know, there was... You know, I've seen a lot worse and yeah. I've seen p- people being really hurt and it's just the commentary. The commentary drives me insane. 
every time because there are neighbours, um, they live in our community. Yeah, they have different ways and they have different beliefs and we might agree with them all. Mm. But sure, look, if, you know, if we were all the same, wouldn't it be very boring? Well, um, absolutely. I, I also made the point yesterday that, you know, only for social media, maybe 20 people might have seen that. Um, exactly. But because it went viral, like thousands of people now are seeing it and making comment on it as well. Yes, and it's those comments that, that uh, irritate me because at the end of the day, while it wasn't ideal, um, those two men are somebody's sons, somebody's fathers, somebody's husbands, somebody's brothers. And I know for a fact that one of them, I don't know the other man, is a very good man, a uh, very well-respected man. And I am—I know him very well and I'm proud to call him my friend. And of course, I'd want to back him up when I see commentary mm. like that. And I really didn't like the comments about the funeral because there is a family grieving. The, the funeral wasn't on at that time or that day, but those families... The, the families would have probably read those comments as I've seen them. So people just need to be mindful. We're all about be kind and mental health and this, that, the other. Um, so maybe people should just. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I guess you wouldn't be surprised to know what's coming into me now. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but, well, and yeah. I don't think. I you know I do, and you know I ran for election. I didn't get that. I'm all for the travellers, this, that, the other. No, I'm all for our community being, you know, working together and looking after each other, everyone in the community, you know, yeah. and we have a lot of good people in the travelling community um, here and they're good people for the community and yeah. they help there, each there, other. There's a, thing, there's a thing, Kira, with your experience now working in the community, what needs to happen to heal the divisions between both communities? Look, I think it's... Um, I've pondered on this for years and I really don't know at this point, you know that? I think communication, a bit of empathy and, you know, a bit of recognising that there are differences but not making it, um, I suppose, of trying to understand the difference. Like, I'll give you an example. There's a, a young girl there and um, she was starting out in her... Um, she was her dating career. But yes. Not career, but her, she was coming into the time of her life where she was starting dating. Yeah. And I was out there and um, a man called with his, with his son and herself and her mother sat down and I thought, like, you know, that doesn't happen in the settled community. Like, you go out, I met my husband in direct. <laughs> like, so, you know what I mean? And I yes. said to her, do you find that? I said, like, that would happen in our community. I said, and she said, well, you know, I trust my mother and who else would I trust better and to help me make these decisions? I thought it was a lovely thing. Wasn't it? But yeah. um, yeah. I suppose if I hadn't uh, had that conversation with the girl and someone had said that to me, I said, God, isn't that very kind of a person? But that's not the way it's, you know. So we have to understand that there is differences in the community, but I think we have to learn to respect each other's differences. But at the end of the day, we're all human beings. Uh, we all live in the community together. And I know a lot of the travellers in my community and... I've always come across them as good people, straight people, and always willing to help each other and and other people if needed. Would you just you know? stay, stay with me for a moment, Kira? Because Willie joins me. Willie, good morning oh, to Willie. you. Morning, Kira. Morning, good, morning. Good, good morning. You, you've been listening, I guess, to myself and Kira talking there, Willie. Um, what what about your feelings about this? Well, sure, look, friend. I mean, we all we all accept that we can't have any any community. They're not all the same, you know, but. Likewise, I mean, we have to be realistic about this. I mean, if this was a GA club or a soccer team or any other segment of society that this, you know, this was attributed towards them, they'd be getting lambasted from, from, they'd be called all sorts, they'd be this, that and the other. But, you know, we have to, we have to be realistic here. I mean, 
everyone in town, I, I spoke to people in town who left town that morning. They just, the, the yob element that was around the town spiling for trouble was there. They left town. They put their kids in the car and went home because of the atmosphere that was building up that was there. Spoiling for obvious, trouble, really. Obvious to what's going to happen. Obvious. Like, like what, what mentality, Grant? I mean, if I didn't get on with you, would I go into town to your funeral ready to kick off a brawl in the street? There was no funeral that day, Willie. There was no funeral that I, day. I'm aware of that, Kira. I'm aware yeah, of that. Sure. It was, it why, was why bring a funeral it was into yesterday. that? It was yeah, yesterday. Funeral's yesterday. Well, you, know, you know as well as I do that that, that that collection of people were there in the town because they were the entourage of, of the family's funeral. And Willie, you can imagine we must be very careful what, what we, we, we claim that we're not yeah. certain Look, of, if you I, know what I mean. I feel sorry, Fran. I feel sorry for the, for the immediate family. I mean, mm. they buried the man in, in his 90s. And, right, and right. he was a father, but, but he was again, a husband. Again, we, again, we don't want to get specific about it, Willie, but can I ask yes. you about the fact that this would have been a skirmish, it would have been all forgotten about in a short time, with the exception of people photographed it for social media and it became viral. But Fran, bear this in mind, we're literally only a month away from the last, and if you want to call it a skirmish, it wasn't a skirmish, below it was at Lone Tralee, where the same thing kicked off outside a funeral. A man was killed and his wife was seriously right, injured. Right, but it, 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 wasn't, because of it the wasn't the same thing, yeah. Because of They're the totally unrelated incidents. They're not yeah. got to do with each other. And you can't compare what happened in Turles on Friday with what happened in Tralee. And it's but interesting here, you, you bring up... You the, have to no, say it's interesting you bring up the GA because they don't get lambasted. There was an incident, I believe, at the weekend because someone mentioned it, actually, in the comments. And there wasn't as much about it mm. at a Leinster match or something. And there was not as much about it. And it's not about that it shouldn't be outcry. No violence should be acceptable. It's what I'm talking about is the commentary. And I saw your own comment, Willie, it's the same, Willie, about and there's nothing from the people who would already represent these people on the platform. These people, is what I'm saying. Yes, they are travellers, but they are part of our community. And this division in the community cannot continue. And I actually had a conversation with someone about this last night. And one of the ways I think we can go forward is through uh, the education system. We are looking enough now, I think, that young travellers are staying in the education system longer. And my son has friends who are travellers, and it, it, he understands and gets on very well with them. But he understands that, yep. that there is differences in belief. Willie, Willie, do you want to take that? What about that? Because well, here, is I, it not time you, to heal these divisions? I think so? you're right, man. I think here is right about education, to, yeah. to, 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 to teach on education. But like, where are the leadership? Where is the travelling community leadership? Where, where are Pavy Pines and where are the organisations? There's not, not one single statement from them. I, well, I tell you, you probably where they are. It's almost they're probably where they are is dealing with the issues of you know, that are affecting travellers, like access to education and services and traveller mental health, because we know there's high suicide rates and we know there is a lot of ser really serious issues in the travelling community, including, like, the, the, the skirmish in Turles was a very small thing when you look at the, the wider problem. Suicide, mental community. health issues, all of that, yeah. You know, and, and making sure that travellers are able to access healthcare and education, because we did see that travellers weren't, you know, feeling comfortable in the education system and Right. But, but Willie, what that, about that? I mean, I'm just wondering about the point you're making, Willie. I mean, for instance, if a fisticuffs breaks out of the match or something like that, I mean, it's not necessarily straight away that uh, HQ at uh, Croke Park will come out and speak about it. You know, you know. Well, I mean, friend, yeah, but look at, I mean, on the main street of the main town, 
in in broad daylight. Like, can we seriously suggest like that that's that that's somehow normalised? No, I don't say it's normal, really, but uh, what I'm saying is... But sure, you are, Kira. You, you started no, off I'm not, almost laughing about I am about. not saying you it's know. normal. What I'm you saying is with the commentary and the attitude... No, the commentary and the attitude um, that comes with it. There was a very small incident in the grander scheme of things. I have seen a lot worse going on in Turles, and not by the travelling community. A lot more serious injuries come out of it. I got out to help. I'm a first responder. I got out to help at an incident one night and the the man in question ended up brain damaged in hospital okay uh, i've seen i've seen way worse going on in the streets right so there's a point willie will you take that i mean again i must admit late at night traveling through liberty square i would have seen worse too i have a friend we were all out in the nightclubs and everything else mm. and we all saw skirmishes going on mm. it was like you have to be realistic about this mm. i mean you cannot normalize you cannot normalize what you're seeing there and this is not an isolated incident, and we we can't say, "Oh God, sure, it happened here." It'll never. Ha-. It, it seems to be happening more and more and more on a regular basis, not just in Turles, up and down the country. Mm. But is that like, not yeah, is that, that not because social media blows it out of proportion in some way, Willie? You can. It's only reporting what's happening. They're not. You know, it wasn't films that no one made it up. Mm. Yeah. And of course, uh, violence is happening more and more in, in, as you mentioned, the GA. So what are we going and to do about that? And it's in the wider. That? I, I agree with you totally. But it's, the it's, commentary. In the wider, it's in the wider society mm. as well. It Not is in the wider society. But it's the commentary and the division that's caused in our communities by the, com- the, the, the commentary that comes out of it. It really shows up the division. That well, it is, is over the top. I agree with you totally. It is over the yeah, top. Yeah, and that, needs, that is what that. needs to be addressed. That is what needs to be addressed. Kira, Kira in, you, in your reply to, on, on Facebook, you said uh, the immediate racist commentary. Do you think that what Willie is uh, saying there, is it is that racist as far as you're concerned? What, which bit now? Well, just in general, I suppose, uh, in terms of how well, he think, views what happened. Um, no, I think uh, Willie has made fair, fair enough points there. I don't agree with, um, you know, associating and saying that those, those people live in town are surrounded. They would have probably been in town on Friday anyway. There was no funeral at that time, and that it upsets me that you know trying to relate it to the funeral mm. um, because it's not fair on the families that are grieving, and it's not fair on the very well respected person. Right, w- Willie, do you do you see that that it's not fair on families who are grieving? I, I've said it already, fan. I have huge yeah. sympathy for the immediate family. I mean, what family wants this going on Nobody. around Nobody. the difficulty that? Uh, but even really, you don't know really as well as I don't know what that was about, and it's very unfair that straight away it was related to the funeral. Do you know what I mean? And uh, it's, it's the commentary like that that irks me. Oh, right. And comparing it to the funeral below, in just because it was a traveller funeral down in Tralee does not make it related to the people that were fighting there on Friday or anything. You're right. You're right about that. They might even know about that. But the leadership from within the traveller community and the, and the organisations that represent them, these are taxpayer funded. We are paying for them. And yet they seem to take no responsibility whatsoever for, for trying to stop. You, you don't even hear a statement. Nothing. Well, I think that's Nothing. unfair Please because I know, that, I know that those we have organisations... We have a senator appointed from the travelling community. Never heard I, one word from him. Nothing. Well, no. not not on that specific incident, but I mean, not the, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but I mean, you know, do you expect somebody to speak out about every single 
Well, Fran, I, I, I don't think you can say every single incident, but an incident where a man is murdered and his wife is seriously... Oh, yeah, 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 but, but, but that's, that's not... In fairness, that's not what we're talking about today, Willie, in fairness. It's part of, it's part of the overall problem. Right. And, and I think that it's it very unfair to, to say that those organisations are not working on these issues in the travelling community because I know very well they are. We have our own temporary rural town, uh, temporary rural travel project. Yes. We have Pavy Pines. We have the more national ones. Eileen Flynn, to say that she is not, um, you know, working on yeah, and trying to advocate she's very for in fact. Yeah. the 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 issues that probably lead into, you know, the frustrations that boil over in the traveling community is complete. Hot. Now, Willie, you can't even say that. All right. Will you, will you both both stay with me for a moment because Valerie is joining our conversation as well. Um, Valerie, good morning to you. Morning, Good morning, friend. Valerie. You've been listening to the conversation with uh, Kira yeah. and Willie. Um, I just think Willie is wrong in most of the stuff he's talked about. Um, my bring up Tralee at that funeral. That was a smaller funeral. The one in Turles yesterday, the funeral, it was absolutely packed with guards. Hmm. Packed with guards. They had bulletproof Right, but again, again, we don't want to make specific reference there, Valerie, but just to, to where the fighting on the street was concerned. I mean, what about Willie's sure, concerns where that is? That was a one-off incident. Yeah. That was only two people. I often saw worse where I live, in Nina. Um, and that would be settled people, would it? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, travellers kind of didn't really fight among themselves, if you think about it when any kind of an argument. I've never, I've gone up all right with travellers living across from me years ago and we had an awful life with them. Awful. And now they're that bit friendlier. But they are getting well educated. They're nearly out on top of other people to be well educated and the Cabby Group are looking after them well. Right, and Kiri, you make that point that edu- education is at the centre of this, isn't it? It's, well, from the point of view, yeah, of course, because everyone's entitled to education, but mm. from the point of view of uh, young people growing up and mixing together and understanding each other's mm. and respecting each other's differences, but still being able to find the humanity in each other and get on together. Right. Do you know what I mean? Well, there um, there we must leave it for now, but thank you so much indeed to all our contributors today, to Akira and to Willie and indeed to Valerie Latterly. Uh, there online with us this morning. What do you think about that huge reaction to uh, our conversation, as you can imagine? 83 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. 1800-938-007 that's our free phone number you'll be speaking to Emma now I spoke to Gina Hetherington from Paul's Animal Rescue last week and she said that she had to make the decision to close her doors to new dogs because she is simply inundated with rescue animals she is now caring for over 90 dogs while well, our own Ali travelled to Gina's rescue in Mulnahone to see if anything has improved since her interview with us last week Gina, since you spoke to Fran, has there been um, any developments? Has anyone been in touch with you just to try and help or lend a hand? Or what's been happening since? 
Well, since I spoke to Fran this morning at 9.30, between 9.30 and 11.30, a man pulled up at the gate with two collies he found on the road in Nocktofer. Um, we explained to him that we'd know where to put these dogs. We already had over 90 here. He wasn't impressed, but um, I got in touch with the dog pound in Kilkenny and they took them. Uh, they took them under duress because they have, they're packed to the rafters. Now they, they can only hold, I think it's 20 dogs or something, but they're packed to the rafters. Uh, after that, a man turned up at the gate with a greyhound, a man from Wexford, um, again, we couldn't help him, so we had to get in touch with uh, Paul from Great Hands in Need in Mullinahone, and it worked out because Paul had a space and he took the dog. And then another man was a Labrador from Mount Waterford, and it, they keep coming. So it's having the opposite effect almost, as in, in instead of showcasing the fact that you, you need help, what you're doing is people are saying, well, this is a place I can bring a dog. That's it, that's yeah. it. And, uh, I mean, when we were on Nationwide in January, they did a lovely segment on us, and all we got back from the, the Nationwide programme was uh, people with greyhounds saying, uh, I believe you rehome greyhounds, we've, we've cooked a greyhounds for you. Oh my <laughs> I mean, God. Like people see, don't see it. They're not seeing the big picture. Yeah. And the big picture with us is that we've too many dogs and we need to rehome at least 40 of what we have before we can touch taking in anymore. So how many have you at present? At present we have 92. Wow. Uh, 60, no, sorry, I beg to differ, 49 of those are greyhounds. Uh, we've got about 40, 42, 43 grey uh, lurchers, and the rest are mixed. And that is another problem, because if Mrs. Jones down the road, retired lady, small house, wants to, to adopt a medium, small-sized dog, we can't, we haven't got much suitor, mm. because we're out the door with these big dogs. And it, there's no sign of it ending. The government has to step in, the county councils have to step in and, and sort out this larger problem. It's, it's a big problem. Is it across all demographics and social circles that you're getting these dogs or are you finding it from a particular area? Um, dogs in general, uh, the, the problem is not lockdown. The problem is uh, the cost of living. It's people, their landlords are selling up. The landlords don't want to be landlords anymore. It's a terrible word, landlord. Mm. And uh, they they have to move into new rented accommodation and the new landlord will not let them have a dog. We have people moving into county council houses that won't let them bring their dog with them. We have people moving into retirement homes that they're not allowed to bring their dogs. And that's shocking that an elderly person can't bring their elderly dog with them to a retirement mm. home. Um, I mean, all these things would not happen in the UK. This is an Irish problem. How, how would it be done in the UK? In the UK, uh, retirement homes will allow people to have their pets. Mm. And the councils will have to let them have two dogs or three dogs, depending, obviously, on you know the size of the house, etc. Mm. And, um, you know, it's landlords in the UK, I mean, you can bring your dog into most restaurants over there. And you can stay in your hotel with your dog. Like, it's not... The dogs are not the evil, you know? Mm. It, it's people that are the problem. And, uh, like, with landlords, I mean, they let you have five toddlers who write in crayon all over the wall. Yeah. And they won't let you have one Labrador. I mean, it's crazy stuff. But uh, the lurchers, yeah, they, they do come from certain areas. And um, But somebody has to help them. 
and I mean Nikki from Mulcara Rescue uh, Rosie from the Haven Rescue they've all got the same problem with lurchers it's massive yeah. because you're predominantly greyhounds and lurchers here I know there is a retirement a greyhound retirement fund that you should be able to access under Board Nagan and the Department of Agriculture but realistically are you able to, to access funds? Realistically Board Nagan will fund uh, particular things they will give um, a donation towards neutering. They will give uh, the price of a rabies vaccine. A, I believe now they're giving 50 euros towards a dental. Um, and they will give it to the vet, not to the rescue. So, But unfortunately, as our vet bills prove, those are not the issues that are costing us money. I mean, your average greyhound that comes in here needs a dental. And the dentals are between 300 and 450 wow. euros per dog. And they're giving you 50? Yeah. Well, they're not giving it to us well, because we've, yeah. we've told them, thank you, but no thank you. Uh, it's, it's no good to us because what they did was they, they changed their situation about four or five years ago. No, about four years, 2020 it was. And they wrote to our vet and they sent her a list of paperwork they needed filled out for each dog. And she wrote back to them and she said, if I have to do all that paperwork for each dog, then I will have to charge pause more money. So she said to me, it's really not worth your while. The cynic in me would say they're they're making it more difficult for a reason. Would would you buy into that? I would absolutely buy into that. I mean, when the the program came out in was it twenty seventeen, uh, running for their lives, they said that they were going to open care homes, and the government increased their money towards the care homes. They've opened one since then, and I think there's another one that piped down. And we did look at it. We looked at the tender for it. But the problem was you had to build a whole new place, practically. You had to have a special room with a television and a tea, and, uh, which we don't can't afford to do. Uh, there's a, there's loads of stipulations in the tender that people just couldn't afford. I know a few people who would have applied for it, but unfortunately it was out of their pay grade, you know. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, for it must be so frustrating for you. It's very frustrating because every time we go down to the Department of Agriculture for help, they say, well, go, um, the Retired Greyhound Trust have funding for this. But the Retired Greyhound Trust only fund a couple of things. Yeah. And, they, I mean, you've seen the staff here. We have four staff. Yeah. And fortunately now our dog food is sponsored by Red Mills. Otherwise we'd be up the creek altogether. But... Um, those people have to be paid. They've been paid to look after those dogs. How does it make you feel then when you see reports that came out over the weekend that forty-three million was spent on prize money and horse racing at the weekend, and here you are struggling and begging for vet bills to be paid? Yeah, I'd say horse racing is is out of my remit because yeah. we we're not connected to horses in any way, except for our three donkeys here. But it kind of feeds into animal welfare and this hierarchy that there seems to be that dogs are very much at the bottom of. Absolutely, I mean uh, these these particular dogs here come under Department of Agriculture. They're agricultural animals. They're not. They're sentient beings. They're pets. And the people who have adopted them for us are absolutely delighted with them. They love them. They're only sorry they didn't do it before. Mm. And, I mean, they're the greatest pets an elderly person can have because they don't shed, they walk on a lead. If they get a run around a big garden twice a day, then they will just sleep on the couch for the rest of the day. I mean, they're fabulous. It's huge security as well. well they are good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bark of a greyhound at night in there sounds yeah. like a rottweiler, I tell you. But, uh, no, I mean, they're great pets. They're absolutely mm. fantastic pets. But it's, it's getting the mindset, you know. Are you still sending them to Italy? 
No, uh, Bornegon took over that. Um, we send ours to Canada and the US now are the only outlets because the UK is struggling with the amount of greyhounds they have. And they have too many and they can't take any more. And I mentioned sending dogs to the US and Canada has huge cost implications as well. Very much so, because we have to do all the vet work. They all have to have the dentals and we have to get a special certificate filled out which costs us 63 euro for each dog. So it could cost about seven, eight hundred to get a dog ready and we get no donation back from America because oh, we also have to get them to the UK because they fly out from Heathrow. So we have to pay for that. That's another thousand euro for the transport. And, uh, you know, it's because the Americans pay for the flight from Ireland to the UK or uh, to America, they just can't afford to donate any money towards the rescues. So it's... It's, you know, it's, it's a lose-lose situation, yeah. you know. So um, I'm just hoping that the UK will free up a little bit now, mm. next year, and that, um, you know, we will be able to re-set up again with the, 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 the links that we had there. What happens now? I know you spoke to Fran that essentially the doors are closed to new dogs and next year will be what it will be, but how hopeful are you? Well, I've done this for 26 years. I've been here before, but the staff have always been behind. At the moment, the staff are exhausted. They're physically, emotionally and mentally exhausted. And they just cannot cope with this anymore. Our kennel manager, Sarah, she's been with us 26 years. She's leaving at the end of January. Uh, Amy, who was with us about 12 to 14 years, Amy left at the end of September. Uh, We have another fantastic girl that came in who worked in Spain with Galgos and she's been here 12 weeks and she's given her notice because she said she came from a stressful situation to a situation that was twice as stressful so it goes on and on and we've advertised for people and the people who are applying for the jobs are not they don't understand that rain, hail or snow you're out there and that you know there's no ringing in and saying I can't come in today I'm sick because you need people on the premises and as well as that people are applying that have no car how are you supposed to get here without a car you know the bank of mum and dad will only put up with so much like and get up every morning and drive you to work it's not going to happen so you know we're still looking for people but we have to get the right people or it's a waste of time training people in and then they're gone in two months and actually it's quite funny because Board Nagan have not done an inspection here for two years, and because of the publicity generated this week, they've just arrived at the gate. So, what does that mean for you then to have them here? It means nothing really, because I mean, uh, they don't sponsor us in any way, uh, but it's just they're entitled to visit premises where greyhounds are kept. So, we just have no problem with them, you know. We've all the vets' bills printed out for them and everything, it's not an issue. But it's just funny that this week of all weeks they decided to pop in. <laughs> Would that kind of indicate to you that it, it's more of a box-ticking exercise? We know Gina's struggling and Luxure will head down there and see what we can do. It's not a do what we can do. It's make sure that they're looking after the dogs properly. Right. There's nothing that they won't do anything. Like after all of these years, Gina, and you're still looking for very basic help, yeah. what does that do to you? Well, as Fran said to me this morning, he said, you sound weary. Yeah. Um, I am heading for 63, next, well, January. Um, 
I won't ever retire because you don't retire from this game. You just do it in a different way. Um, my, my mother started it with me in 1997 and she passed away in 2018, which was a big shocker. And then my father died the same year. Oh, so um, we lost two of them in the one year. And uh, it was took a lot of its toll on me. So Sarah stepped in to do a lot of the work. And unfortunately, that has now taken a toll on her. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's... Where do we go from here? I don't know. Uh, we've been blessed with legacies, a couple of legacies. Um, some people that have left us a couple of grand here, there, and everywhere are residues of estates and things. Now, they do take a couple of years to come through, but it helps. I mean, we're getting a 20 grand legacy this week or next week, which will go straight to the vets. Because although we have paid the vets 147,000 this year so far, we now owe them 60,000. And I mean, it's, you know, it, it's all the time climbing up and up and up. And they're very good. It's not their, the, the, the prices. It's the quantity. Yeah. It's and the dogs with broken arms, broken legs, broken tails, dentals. You know all this stuff that has to be done. And uh, do you sleep at night? I do. I do. Eventually, uh, I watch trashy television. <laughs> I love the soaps. Uh, last night I watched I'm a Celebrity. Oh. <laughs> um, but I do, but I find that um, I'm getting like arthritis in my knee, which I never thought I'd ever get. Um, you know, little niggly things from old age that I shouldn't be having yet, you know, mm. that kind of thing. And I actually, it's more of a, it takes its toll on you as a person, yeah. you know. It makes you ratty. It it makes you, you're, you're all the time, you know, thinking, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? Where am I going to go? What will I do about this? And turning away dogs is one of the hardest parts of it. Does it kill your faith in humanity a little bit as well to see how dogs are treated? Absolutely. Absolutely it does. And and especially from certain sectors. You know, it's it's uh I mean people when the people that ring us they, they they seem to think that somebody pays us to do this. And nobody does. Mm. You know, we, we are dependent on the public for our income completely. Uh, the vet said to me recently, she said, Gina, I don't know how you could run a business that's totally dependent on public generosity. She said, I couldn't do it. And I said, but I have to do it. Because mm. there's no other magic wand, you know. And, uh, you know, I keep buying the lotto tickets. I keep buying the Euro Millions tickets. But I'm wasting my money, I think. Where's all these lottery winners out yeah. there? Well, they don't fire a couple of bob and an animal rescue, you know. If there's anyone listening who would like to donate, even if it's something small, where should they go? They can send it to Paul's Mull in the Home Tipperary. They can send it directly to Southview Veterinary Clinic in Clamell. They can go onto our website, buy our calendar, our Christmas cards. It's on paws.ie. You can also do a donation there or sponsor a dog by the month, sponsor a kennel. There's many ways you can help financially or collect a tinned dog food, black sacks, strong black sacks for the, the rubbish from the kennels pasta because some of the dogs have to be supplemented because they're thin, the lurchers particularly and we put pasta in with their food uh, we also buy chicken um, what else do we buy sardines, all that stuff all mm. costs money, you know it's, it's a couple of hundred a week in, in grocery shopping wow. <laughs> and it's for the dogs you know um, but I mean there's lots of people can do you know, single duvets we can't take double duvets because they won't fit in the washing machine and the skip is 400 quid a pop. So, you know, 
what do you do? Mm. So now we can only take single ones because they fit in the washing machine. And uh, unless somebody out there is talented and they can cut a double duvet into four and stitch yeah. it up. A lady used to do that for us and it was great, but unfortunately she disappeared. Um, blankets, um, no pillows, <laughs> please. Um, you know, there's little things that can be done without if you, if you haven't got any spare cash. You know, come and walk a dog, like between 11 and 1 and 2 to 4 every day. Or three to four, sorry, every day we'd have people walk dogs. Um, if you think you've got, you know, a bit of talent for painting or grass trimming or any of that stuff, there's so much stuff can be done. You know, it's, it's you know, you could run a fundraiser, you could run a quiz night, you could do a sponsored silence in school, anything like that. You know, mm. there's, there's lots of things people can do if they haven't got big books to hand over. Well, that's Gina Hetherington of Paws speaking to her own. Ali from the Rescue Centre there in Mullinahone. Now, huge, huge reaction to my conversation with Willie and uh, with Kira and with Valerie as well. And just let me give you a couple just to sum it up. Uh, Fran, that fight had nothing to do with uh, the funeral and it goes on to give me some details about the funeral as well. And I think we've established that and thank you for that. Um, can Kira explain why businesses decide to close when there's a traveller's funeral? Uh, somebody else saying normal people don't make up such a small percentage of the population and cause so much trouble, dumping, stealing and causing trouble on the streets of the town. The list goes on and on and on. And uh, another person saying that Kira is apologetic for travellers. Get her off, it says, with our PC crap. As long as there are apologetics for travellers, they will continue to display their culture. That's from Sean in Tipperary Town. Just because you disagree with somebody, Sean... I mean, why would you come on and uh, demand, or get her off? Because, you know, I disagree with her, so she shouldn't be on the radio. That's not the way it works here, I'm afraid. Somebody else pointing out other places to me that there have been um, uh, skirmishes as well. And uh, again, um, here, talk about the traveller, travelling community involved in some of those as well. Um, I have no issues with travellers, but Kira is making light of what happened. No violence should be tolerated at all. No exceptions. Uh, somebody else saying, will you accept this has been going on for the last 50 years, Fran? And uh, both settled and travelling uh, people. Dare you single out travellers or emigrants, though? Um, uh, Tip FM has been very one-sided. If uh, they're so innocent, why are armed guards required at a funeral. That's just a taste of what's uh, coming into us today. It does bring you back um, a memory, though, and I, I often tell people, um, again, it surrounded a, a series of discussions we were having on the travelling community, and again, I was perceived to be, um, as some people put it, pro-traveller. Um, and somebody made up a story that the reason I was behaving in that way was because I was letting land to travellers up in Anacarty. Now, the creativity of coming up with that was just... I mean, I, mean, I wish I had land to, to, to let to anybody, but there you are. We'll take a break. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie 
We spoke to Chloe Matthews on the programme yesterday um, about her situation. Just a quick reminder, she suffered a stroke during the seventh week of her pregnancy with her baby boy. She was on illness benefits until May of this year, but it was cut without notification. Uh, She spoke to us yesterday about how cold her home is with uh, a dampness there, and she's looking towards the winter now, and she has uh, a lot of concerns about that. Chloe is back with me. Good morning to you, Chloe. Morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you again. You were speaking to Deputy Martin Brown, I think, and you have a bit of an update. Yeah, well, Emma gave me his number yesterday because he got in contact with yes. me, so I rang him and he looked into it for me. And he was appalled at how long it's going on for. So he looked into it and see where it was. And he got back to me yesterday even to say that even though Michael Larry's team had sent it in in October, and when it got to the department, it hadn't then been sent on to the appeals team. Only, I think, was it the 2nd of November, it was sent to the appeals team. So what they're saying now is it could take another four to five weeks oh for God. a decision to be made. And guess where we're going to be in four to five weeks? Uh, yeah, Chloe, well know, into Christmas. Uh, well into Christmas, indeed. Yeah. And did this, could, could it be explained why there was a hold-up in terms of the appeal getting to the right desk? No, Martin didn't say anything to me anyway unless they didn't didn't say anything to him. But, like, it doesn't seem like there's any... It's like when we send in these claims or just all put in a pile and left one side and every now and again they might get back to them, you know. It's just there doesn't seem to be any demand to, like, get through these claims or get them done. Like, I know there's backlog, but, like, how much backlog can it be? Do you know that kind of way in terms of read a claim, make a decision, sign it off or don't sign it, do you know? It just doesn't make sense why it's taken four to five weeks. I know there's a lot of people in the country applying for it, but... Yes. But there's there's no sense of urgency, as you say. No, there's none whatsoever. And I know the TDs are doing as much as they can, but it just doesn't seem like they're even taking them seriously now. It's like... it, It feels like what it is is like it's a power trip. It's like they have control over someone's life when it shouldn't be like, you know, they're just sitting behind the desk and they have no... They have no, um, you know, they're not doctors or whatever. And yes. yeah, yeah. And they're they, making these big decisions. Yeah, and four to five weeks' time, you may have a decision, but that might be a negative decision as well, Chloe. I suppose you have exactly. to keep that in mind. Yeah, it is, and I try not to think about it and stress too much over that, but all I keep saying to myself and everybody else and our family is just like, just be positive, it'll, be ha- it'll happen, but there is that possibility that it'll be a no again. So this could be drag on and drag on. As like I said yesterday, it's like they want to push it out and push it out and nearly, sorry, now it's no, that's, that's okay. And, um, and and what, that at that stage you may struggle back to work even though it wouldn't yeah. be the right thing for you to do. Is that it? Exactly, it will. It's like they're just forcing me back to work. It's like they're pushing it out and it'll be just no choice but to go back to work. And like that, I'll end up going 10 times back, 10 steps back after working so hard to get you know, get to where I am. And like that, I still have a lot of work to do, you know. So, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but but again, you feel let down, Claude. Oh, extremely. Yeah. Extremely, extremely let down. Like, you know, it's, it's not as if I'm, you know, like, they're not minor injuries, they're not minor things, you know, it's a big, it was a big thing, it was a brain injury, you know, and I don't know whether the fact that my age kind of puts, like, oh, she'll be fine, she's young, she'll bounce back and stuff. But, yeah, I will, and I hope to God I will. But doesn't mean it's a, 
you know, it's a faster process for me just because of my age. Yes, and you described yesterday that, you know, you still have lingering symptoms in terms of being a, a yeah. little forgetful and all of these kind of things as yeah, well. Yeah, even down to my reading, like, I struggle to read stories for the kids, like bedtime stories for the kids. I'm going back to where I was in primary school of reading, like, word, da, 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 rather than just flowing through the story. It's just little things like that are spelling. My spelling has gone very bad. Um, and you know, like that, even my writing or my comprehension, trying to put a sentence together when I'm writing that makes sense. And like that, I, it'd be different if it was just my report or if it was just my note. But my documents that I'd have to write up for work would be seen by government. It would be seen like Tusla, Pubble, Astra, Shilta, parents even. And even now, like with Ava in preschool, she got documents home that I'd be used to filling out at work. And even to look at them, it gave me anxiety and made me, it just filled me with stress even reading it. Because it took ages just to read it. And if I am expected to fill out those things at work, it would just put me under severe pressure, severe stress. And that's not fair on my employer as well as the kids. Like They deserve my attention, deserve to me to be at my full health. And I presume, Where? Chloe, it's impossible for you to capture all of that on a, an application form to the department. Oh, it is. Like I sent, they um they wanted handwritten letters. Um, well, writing handwritten letters is next to impossible. I yes. have to get help from my partner or my parents or even like that. My speech and language therapist. I have to take it in and do it. And even in the beginning, when they sent me out the form, they sent me out a big massive booklet of a form to fill out. And, like, I needed to take that in and get some help to fill it out. But the, the the social welfare couldn't help me because it was their form. So I then had to go to Citizens Information to get help to fill it out. Well, Chloe, um, we, yeah. we, we will follow the story um, and hopefully things can be pushed on a bit. And again, if there's hopefully. anybody listening today, once again, can we put it out there? If anybody can help where Chloe is concerned, we'd love to hear from you. Chloe, we wish you well and we'll keep in touch. Is that okay? Lovely. Thanks for your help. Thanks, so Thank you Thank and you. bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Chloe speaking to us once again this morning. News is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. And you're welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. The text and WhatsApp 083 311 Now, don't forget, just after 11, we'll be playing Match 3 in association with the good friends at Stakelums. And uh, if you want to register, you can do so now. If you just give us your name and your details, and uh, if you want to match three on it, we'll know you're interested in coming on air and uh, playing that uh, competition so it's 083 311 Ryan O'Dwyer is a 38 year old man from Carrick and sure he was involved in a, a very serious road traffic accident in July of this year he had to be airlifted to Cork University Hospital where he was put into an induced uh, coma but he suffered life changing injuries and indeed has a long, challenging road ahead of him. Well, Verona O'Dwyer is Ryan's sister-in-law, and she's in studio with me. Good morning to you, Verona. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thanks so much for coming in uh, to me today. Uh, Will you tell me a little bit about Ryan and uh, what happened? He's 39 now. He was 38 when this happened. Is that it, Verona? Yeah, that's right, Fran. Um, I'm actually Ali's sister. Right. Uh, Verona Walsh. Ali is um, Ali Houlihan. Mm. from O'Dwyer. Yeah, um, that's Ryan, Ryan's wife. Yeah. Yes, that's mm. right. 
Ryan was coming home from work on the 11th of July when unfortunately he was involved in a life change and accident. He had to be airlifted to Cork, transferred to the intensive care unit and remained in a coma for four weeks, which was a very difficult time for his family. Been, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Um, what about now? How, how is he now? Ryan, at the minute, he is, um, I'll tell you, Ryan, he is at the minute progressing. Mm. Um, every day, you know, is a good, you know, good days and bad days for Ryan at the minute. He have a lot to process. He's only learning at the minute what's going on with him. Yes. And what damage has been done to Ryan. Right. And what do we know about that damage so far, Brona? Um, Ryan broke his back, his spinal cord. He fractured two bones in his neck which has left Ryan paralysed from the neck down. Since the accident, Ryan has underwent two brain operations and had and has had his back operated on as well with rods and... My God, so very extensive body. surgery, obviously. Absolutely, life-changing, Fran, absolutely. Yeah. He worked in the post office, didn't he? he so he would have been very well known to people. Absolutely, yeah. worked in the post office in Clonmel, loved his job, mm. absolutely loved his job. His colleagues, absolutely brilliant to him. And even when COVID came and when the elderly couldn't get out and do their everyday basic stuff, Ryan yes. went above and beyond to help the elderly people. Yeah. Very, very kind person. Tell me about the 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 accident itself. Then he he crashed into a, to a, a truck, didn't he, on the way home? Yeah, on the it? way home from work, um, there was a truck stationed outside Merkshart and mm. Um Ryan collided with mm. the lorry. Mm. We don't know what happened, friend. Yeah. Um, we'll never know yeah. what happened. But look, this is where we are today and now, and. Yeah. Not easy for Ryan and his family. Not easy uh, at all. Um, he, he Is he still in Cork? He is. He's still, he's in, still Cork, in Cork. Cork University Hospital. He's there for the last four months. Right. And he will be there uh, for a while until he will be transferred to John Leary. Right. And that's for some rehab and yeah. and the like. Um, it's a, you know, it's an odd question, but how is he dealing with this in his head, Verona? Because, it, you know, we've described it as being life-changing and it certainly is that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, life-changing. Um, Ryan have good days and bad days. Um, he's an only son of Sean and Helen O'Dwyer from Carrie Contour. Yeah. Helen and Sean go down to Ryan during the week for a couple of days and they're there to support him. And then they come home and Ali goes down for four days and she's there to support Ryan and be there for him. Good days, bad days, you know, he's only coming to terms of what's happening to him now. Life changing and it will take time to accept what's after happening to Ryan. I'm sure it will. But, you know, for the extended family, it must have been a great shock for you all. Absolutely. Yeah. We're still in shock, Fran, and I suppose it's very hard to come to terms with why did it happen to Ryan? Yeah. You know, why and... Decent fella. Decent man, yeah. yeah. Everything going for him. Yeah. Do anything for anybody. Yeah. But it, it has happened and we have to keep going and... and have to deal with it. Deal with I it suppose. the best we can. Part of that dealing with it, I presume, has to be modification of uh, the house because, I mean, it's, it's a two-storey, I think, is it? Two-storey house, With yeah. the bedrooms upstairs. Yeah, and, the yeah. house The house is 20 years old, friend. Mm. And... Um, they're living in their home, their new home, three years. Right. They have a mortgage, big mortgage, like every other young person yeah. couples out there at the minute. Um, 
no bedrooms downstairs. Yeah. So there'll need to be a bedroom and a bathroom modified to suit Ryan's needs. Right. And money has to be an issue, I suppose. Money is an issue at the well. minute. They have a lot on their plate. Um, a lot of bills coming in, like us all. Yeah. Ali yeah. is out of work now. Ryan is out of work. And mortgage has to be paid. Bills have to be paid. Oncoming. Right, because the bills don't stop just don't because stop. Ryan has had an accident. Um, so there is some fundraising going on then. And uh, the date in question is the 26th of November. What's happening on Saturday the 26th, which is next Saturday week, isn't it? Yeah, on Saturday the 26th, the soccer um, team down in Carrick are having a tournament in Ratgarmick. The mm. Ratgarmick community are after giving us their... Mm. Astro pitches to play. So it's like a blitz, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's 32 teams playing playing a seven aside, and um, it's to raise funds for Ryan. And Ryan's friends came up with this idea, and they are really putting their hearts and souls into this. So there's people coming from all over to play good, to play yeah. these games, and there's 32 teams to play, right. a seven aside, um, on the 26th of November. Now, later on that night, then, there's a benefit night at the Carrig Hotel, and that's going to be a packed night as well, isn't it? Yeah, we're hoping, Fran, now, um, the Carrig are holding um, uh, support of Rhino Dwyer's Road uh, to Recovery. Mm. Um, It's a fundraiser. It's um, a monster raffle, an auction, music on the night, and it's €10 entrance fee to go in on the night, friend. Right. And also, the doors open at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Black Dove are playing, Gay Brazel, Audio Jam, and DJ Till Late. Very good. So, some great music there for yeah. sure. Yeah, now anyway, they have yeah. great stuff as well uh, for the auction. For the auction, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And spot prizes. We have Rachel Blackmore picture signed by Rachel Blackmore and um, a book to go all signed by Rachel Blackmore. Oh, that very good. Horsey Road. Yeah. Uh, Honey Suckle. Honey Suckle, yes. yes. Yeah. That she signed it for us and we have it framed. We have lovely hampers. Mm-hmm. We have beautiful weekends away. Um, we have uh, Joseph O'Brien for, uh, for, for four people to mm-hmm. go in and tour his yard. Oh, and, very good. Yeah. Yeah. So lots of great um, uh, prizes there for, for auction and stuff. And as you say, a monster raffle on, on the night. Yeah, and the raffle well, includes yeah. weekends away, Kelleher vouchers, um, vouchers for hotels, mm. um, women's packages, friend, men's packages, friend. You might be interested you yourself. You never know. You never <laughs> know, indeed. Yeah. Well, it sounds fantastic, and it sounds like people are really pulling together to help here, Verona. As Absolutely, well. I've never seen support like it. Yeah. Never ever, and we are so grateful. The support mm. is just. The support is unbelievable from all the business that were willing to help us out, donate for Ryan in the Corrig to the people who bought tickets and donated on the GoFundMe. We have a GoFundMe page, Fran. Right. And what the, what's the GoFundMe page? The GoFundMe page, it's on Facebook. Mm. And um, there it is there, Fran. Okay. Yeah. Let me have a look here yeah. while you're doing that. We're yeah, doing very the, well with that, Fran. Okay. We're, so if, if you go, it's Ryan O'Dwyer's Road to Recovery. And if you just uh, put that in, you'll see the GoFundMe opportunity there for you as well. Yeah. And uh, did you want to mention something else, Verona? Was yeah, just the, else the, the, the support from family, friends, um, the donations from everybody all over the country mm. um, have been fantastic. And I'd just like to thank, Fran, the medical team, um, Dr. Kamel and the medical profession below in Cork University Hospital. 
Um, I'd also like to thank the air ambulance, the guards, the council, the fire brigade, the ambulances, and to all the East Post Office colleagues. Um, and they've all been very all good been fantastic. Yes. And all these people and the quick response of all these people on the day of the accident is why Ryan is still with us today. All right. Well, absolutely. Well done to everybody there. But uh, the benefit night, anyway, the 26th of November, the fantastic auction there in Monster Raffle, some great music on the night as well. I'm just looking at a picture of Ryan. He was a fit fella. Oh, my God. Fit absolutely. Fella. Real yeah. handsome fella. Yeah. Still is. Yeah. Looked after <laughs> himself. And oh, yeah. Very fit, very active. Well, we'll keep reminding people about it, uh, Verona, for the next uh, two weeks or so. But it's Saturday week we're talking about. Yeah, here. Saturday the right. 26th of. November. All right. Yeah. Okay. And Frank, can I just thank uh, Brew Columbanus in Cork? Okay. They're um, a house that left us stay, an apartment block that let, let us stay. Um, I stayed for Ali for t- with Ali for 10 weeks down in Cork. And this is where Helen and Sean are staying as well. And um, it's an apartment for all the sick yes. uh, patients that are in Cork University Hospital for their family. Right. So we stay there. Isn't that terrific? And it's it's um, charity run. Yeah. So we will hope to give back a little to them as well down the line as well. well, Can't thank them enough. Very good. Aren't you great to spend 10 weeks down there? Yeah. I do anything for her. Yeah. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. There's a feral chunk out of your own life, but fair play. Absolutely. But look, Ryan and Ali will get through it and they have a great family behind them to pull through and we will get through it. It will be tough, friend, but we'll get there. All right. Verona, lovely to see you today and we wish you the very best and, of course, uh, we wish Ryan and Ali the very best as well. Thank you so much indeed for coming in to Thank us, you, uh, friend. Today. Thanks so much. It's uh, 10.21. We'll take a break. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Turkey farmers are very concerned and are hoping that their flocks will not be impacted by avian flu after it emerged that 3,000 turkeys will have to be culled in a farm in Monaghan. Irish Farmers Association President Tim Cullinan joins me now. Tim, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And thanks for your time this morning, Tim. Yeah. This is very worrying stuff, isn't it? It, it is. Just before we go there, Fran, if you don't mind, I'd just like yeah. to uh, a quick word on Vicky Phelan and... and I'll pass on on behalf of our own association and farmers around the country our sympathies to her family and you know, to a lady like Vicky that was giving you know, what would you call a life sentence and devoted that time not just to her family but to people in a similar situation as herself you know, it's more people like that we need in the world and I just want to say you know, an excellent lady and at you know, that time that she devoted when she could have just devoted yes. it to her family was so unselfish I think it's important that we try to remember that. Absolutely, and the outpouring of grief uh, following the announcement of her death yesterday, and I see the newspaper coverage today, it's it's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. But, but look, you're right, Fran, and uh, just moving on to... The, yeah, it is very the, concerning, isn't it? Well, it is. Look, it's a high pantogen H5N1 uh, subtype, and uh, it has actually impacted on a flock, as we're aware now, 3,000 turkeys up in Monaghan, close to the border. And uh, that flock now, uh, the departments are in the process of um, taking out that flock today. And obviously, you know, it's, it's a concern and a worry for the family involved. And, you know, in that area, 
in County Monaghan, there's quite a substantial amount of, of chicken rares, boilers and, and layers and uh, turkey growers as well. So, you know, I spoke to some of the people in that area and a lot of concern and worry there at the moment. But look, on the positive side, it's important that it doesn't impact on you know, the birds, uh, any birds or farm that is infected, like there is a protocol with the department. So there isn't a public health issue here. And But at the same time, you know, it, it is a concern. Um, a lot of speculation as well about the scarcity of turkeys for Christmas, Tim. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Look, we had an incident like this last year as well, and actually it was on a much larger farm. And uh, we produce approximately 1.5 million turkeys here in Ireland. And you know, the, there is enough of turkeys to go around, Fran. Hopefully for for Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say, you know, looking across to the UK and Europe, there has been a, a greater problem with this uh, virus across the continent, and there may be a tightening supply across the continent. But I think overall. There will be enough authorities to go around. Is this particular variant, is that more dangerous? Because around this time every year, we hear stories of avian flu, particularly from the UK, Tim. But is this a more dangerous variant? Yeah, it's it's, it's just like like all viruses, friend, you know, they do... As time goes on, they do mutate, and yes. uh, yeah, it, uh, obviously it, it is more viral, and that's why you know, there is swift action by taken by the department to deal with it, you know, in that region. And hopefully, I thought, look, the, the, what's important here as well, though, is the advice that the department and the minister is giving to farmers to ensure that all uh, birds or flocks are kept indoors mm. you know, during this period and to limit, I think what's very important is here as well, is for everybody to relook at their biosecurity and limit the amount of people coming onto farms and you know, essential workers have to come onto farms and feed deliveries but have the proper protocols in place and you know, try there's one thing, obviously the other serious one is bird, you know, wild birds yes. getting in contact with the domestic flock so to ensure that doesn't happen and the best possible protocol on biosecurity. You you speak about swift action, Tim, but I mean, in July of this year, Birdwatch Ireland called on the government to scale up efforts to curtail the spread of the disease, but was there swift enough action? Look, I suppose you can always say there's never enough of swift action, but at the same time, you know, there is... Uh, a push nowadays for birds to be flocks to be outdoors. You know, we've seen a situation back 12 years ago. I remember when I was representing pig farmers in Brussels, and there was uh, a new um, piece of legislation went through the EU at that time for enriched cages. You know, where there was much larger cages for laying hens. Mm. That was agreed at the time, and now and a lot of this pressure is actually coming from retailers that they want. Um, layers that they actually have access to the open spaces and you have uh, your markers in then free-range eggs. So look, there's market forces here driving that the flocks and the birds need to be outdoors and obviously, you know, if the wild bird population is infected, well, that's going to bring its own challenge. There's no insurance for um, uh, poultry farmers where this is concerned, I guess. No, but it is a notifiable disease and, you know, in the situation like we're seeing in Monaghan today, well, then there is compensation from the department. You know, it's like if a farmer goes down with TB or whatever, that there is a compensation package. Look, albeit it's not it's not enough. This farmer would much prefer that their, their turkeys would end up in the marketplace this coming Christmas, you know, but, I mean, so 
there has to be controls though at the same time and as I say it is difficult and a challenge not just for that farmer because there is other poultry farmers impacted in that region this week where they cannot restock their, their houses because of the restriction in that area. Right. Is there any reason for us to be concerned um, where consuming uh, turkeys are concerned and uh, chickens now? Should should we be concerned in any way, do you think, Tim? No. Look, the, the very clear advice that we have received is, you know, that this does not transmit from from cooking or from birds that are cooked properly to humans. There is no risk there, friend. And uh, that is the advice that our own association would have received from from the department. Uh, finally, before I let you go, can I just ask you about a piece uh, today? I'm not sure if you got a chance to see it. Mike Brady is writing in the Farming uh, Independent today. And I was quite surprised with the what has happened with the amount of uh, farmers in, in the state from 360,000 in 1921 uh, to 140,000 now, and he's making the point of it continues at this rate. Um, there won't be farmers uh, about 2080 or something like that. Do, are you concerned about people leaving the land, Tim? Well, uh, I suppose, Fran, I gave four days last week over in Egypt at the COP27, yeah. and you know, I had a great opportunity to meet farmers from many countries right around the world. And the amazing thing is we all have the same concerns. I thought, look, it's important that this, the week this is, we mentioned about climate change as yeah, well. Yeah. And I suppose what was uh, very alarming for myself was the most recent report from the FAO, and that is stating that the cost of what they call the import of food for the world's uh, population is, is reaching $1.94 trillion. But I suppose the other alarming figure is food production by the end of 2022 will have decreased by 10%. And you know, I spoke to farmers in Africa and US to China, where, and in particular in the African countries. Like there's people there waking up this morning and they just haven't got a breakfast. No, this is the reality. And this is why in all that's going on, and look, I understand the concerns around climate change, but we have to bring the two along together. So the food systems approach, where we ensure that there is an adequate supply of food, but also we deal with issues around climate change. And in this country, we've done that. We've agreed a reduction of 25%, and our people are negotiating with uh, the minister at the moment to find a pathway how we're going to achieve that. But I suppose, you know, we've seen it over the years. I've seen it in my own sector where we had, uh, when I was representing pig farmers, we probably had a 1,000 pig farmers in the country. Today, there's 250. You know, because of the low um, price that farmers have achieved for what they've produced over the years, they've had to scale up to generate an income. That's the reality, friend. And uh, obviously it is concerning. But the point I want to make here is it's important that there is always a pathway there to ensure right across the world that we can produce enough food to feed the population. And if we look at it, we've, we've just passed the 8 billion people living on the planet as well. So when you have the world population increasing and you also have food production decreasing, that is a concern. And it's only yesterday you know, I was on a food, uh, our food security crisis meeting with the EU Commission. And again, I was making that clear point. You know, we have the Green Deal farm to fork and the speed at which the calendar of events is moving there is concerning at the moment. 
Uh, very strong language over the last uh, couple of weeks, and you you obviously heard it uh, close up uh, out in uh, Egypt. I mean, very very close to irreversible changes at the moment. That seems to be generally accepted right now. Yeah, look, obviously, you know, we're seeing changes, and I suppose you could say there was changed in the climate over over years, over many years. But all I'm saying is, we as a sector have taken our responsibilities very seriously in 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 dealing with climate change, Fran. So we agreed with the government that we're going to work on a 25% reduction on emissions by 2025. But, you know, we need cooperation. We need the government working with us as well. And obviously there's this cost and a substantial cost around this. If farmers are changing their practice of producing food, well, then there needs to be support from government around that as well. And similarly, you know, I'm hearing the, the same from farmers right around the world and uh, there was a huge debate actually this week around, you know, farmers can be the solution. And what I mean by that is sequestering carbon. But there's no actual clear plan or roadway how all of this is going to work. We're talking about uh, sequestering the carbon, carbon farming, trading carbon. Like when I speak to people in the US or in China or wherever or in Africa, as I say, government still hasn't a clear roadway how all of this is going to happen but you know we can be part of the solution and here at home at the moment Chagas is measuring you know the amount of carbon that is being sequestered into grassland into hedgerows and hopefully within a year or or a year and a half we will have um, a decision around that know what level of carbon Irish farmers are taking into their farms. Yeah it'll be interesting Um, Tim as always thank you very much indeed for your time this morning Tim thank you and good morning to you. Not at all thank you you. Irish Farmers Association President Tim Cullinan uh, speaking to us there, 1800-938-007. Speak to us, of course, about those concerns around avian flu in our poultry flocks. Um, 1800-938-007. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Edward was on to us and he says, Irish people like to think of themselves as animal lovers but we are far from that not just the animals in rescues but dogs whose owners leave them on their own from one end of the day to the other people who don't train their dogs but just hit them when they do something they don't like a large proportion of dog owners are abusive to their pets and probably don't think they are we're a nation uh, we are not a nation of dog lovers we sadly as a nation don't seem to care about dogs or the welfare of most pets in this country and we should be ashamed says Edward. I'm not sure if I agree with that, Edward. I know a lot of people out there who love their pets and their pets are treated as a a family member. Now, I take your point, there may be some people mistreating uh, pets and I agree with you if you're abandoning them at home to fend for themselves all day long, I don't think it's a a good thing. 083-311-3311 With uh, Twitter in disarray since the world's richest person took control of it last week, Mastodon, a decentralised open alternative, has seen a flood of new users. Now, for more on this, I'm going to be joined by Niall Kitson of techcentral.ie. Niall, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, good to talk to you today. Mastodon, what, what exactly is it? How does it work? 
Okay, well, in understanding the appeal of Mastodon, I kind of have to take a step back and explain the cultural climate that we're in at the Mm. moment when it comes to all things tech, because there's no understanding the success of Mastodon without understanding all these other things that are going on at the same time. Yes. Over the last few weeks, we've had these huge layoffs all across the tech sector. We've had Irish uh, companies like Stripe and Intercom let people go. We've had Microsoft put a hiring freeze on, similarly with Google. Um, Meta have let go 11,000 people. Uh, Amazon, of course, as we know today, is letting go 10,000 people, which, you know, when you've got a company of more than one and a half million, it's kind of a drop in the ocean, but still a massive number in and of itself. And of course, we come down to Twitter, where the new owner, Elon Musk, said, right, there's far too much dead weight here. Uh, We're burning through $4 million a day. We're doing things like spending $13 million a year on catered lunches for our staff. We've got got a lot of fat to trim. So straight away, he let go half the staff. Um, And, you know, on top of which, a lot of the executives were either fired or the ones that were left particularly working in privacy and information security, just often went, okay, we're not we're not hanging around here. We're, we're skilled professionals. We can go elsewhere. Um, and we now know that an additional 4,000-plus contractors have been let go. A lot of these people have been working in content moderation. So Twitter has gone from being this sort of noisy, slightly toxic, polarizing space to just being an absolute crazy free-for-all. And there is, you know, people still, you know, using Twitter in the way that it's meant to be used. Mm. Um, But the overall climate is one of total panic, you know, a sense that there's nobody really at the wheel that, you know, you've you've got this dictator just letting people go wholesale and the platform is basically burning around him. So enter Mastodon. You know, naturally enough, people are going, okay, where, where are we going to go now? We don't feel safe on Twitter we don't feel that we're going to be interacting with, you know, people or content that we really want to. It's, pro- you know, it's full of trolls based overseas. Mm. So what do we do? So this is where Mastodon comes in. And Mastodon isn't really uh, a new company. It's been around since 2016, the product of uh, an engineer called Eugen Rochko. He was a, a German uh, man. And he basically looked at what Twitter was doing and he's like, you know what, I can I can build something and it's it's a bit better. So this was created off the back of crowdfunding. So people chipped in money on a, a crowdfunding platform and eventually he got enough money together that he decided, okay, I can go do this. It's a non-profit entity for the moment. So it's not supported by, you know, ads or sponsorships or anything like this. And the way it works is that, and this is a term that we're going to be coming across an awful lot over the next few years, this is a Web3 project, right? So at the moment, you know, Web1 was sort of very basic mm. text-based stuff. Web2 was really the era of, you know, the, the big tech companies, the Facebook, the, again, the intercoms, the stripes, you know, these massive companies that rely on user engagement in order to sort of make money. Web3 is the complete opposite. Web3 is the idea of, do you know what? You don't need big tech. What you can have are, you know, much smaller companies. You can have much smaller communities that you're actually interested in engaging with. And this is kind of what Mastodon does. So when you're setting up an account with Mastodon, and this is a really important differentiator uh, compared to Twitter, 
is you sort of um, set up your account as, as normal, but it asks you to join sort of a, a server, right? And the server is covering all sorts of different topics. There's one for Ireland, there is one for software developers, there's one for you know pretty much any subject you want to mm. think of. And when you join this, that just brings you into that community, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get swamped by, you know, content that's not relevant to you. Yes. You just sort of check in and you see, okay, here's what everyone in Ireland is talking about. And it's, it's almost like a, an old-style discussion forum, you know? So you log into each one. You know, I'm a member of the, the Ireland forum, so I get to see what people are talking about from Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you've, uh, you've got your traditional followers that you can do. If you want to follow people that way, that's fine. Uh, and if you want to see what's going on in you know the wider world, you can do that as well. So you've got kind of three things that you can follow if you want. And you know, are there hashtags that we'd be used to? There with? are indeed, yes. Mm. It works in a very similar way to Twitter. So right. you've still got your hashtags. You've still got, you know, your short form letters. You, you toot instead of tweet, um, but it's effectively the, the same thing. And one of the big differences, and this is something that will, will be quite divisive and even more so as, um, as the community grows, is that what you see on your timeline is delivered to you on the basis of when it was posted as opposed to what an algorithm thinks you will respond to. Ah. Right. So when when sort of a lot of people join Twitter initially, you know, you just see your your tweet feed fill up, and you'd be able to see conversations develop in real time and all this kind of stuff, and it's it's fine. Um, but then when it switched the algorithmic method, people are like, yeah, but I mean, I'm looking at tweets that was posted, you know, hours ago. Yeah. You know, yeah. what am I meant to do with this? You know. So this is one thing that Mastodon has sort of, I don't want to say so much brought back as it was sort of a feature from the beginning, but this is something that you can do. Now, the problem with it is that as the community get bigger and bigger, these things are going to be faster and faster to update. So, you know, they, they can be very difficult to uh, keep track of, which sort of, again, points to the benefit of Mastodon as joining smaller communities. Yes. You're less likely to to get trolled when you're left. Now, what about the issue, and I mean, you brought it up yourself that Twitter has become uh, a free-for-all, largely, I suppose, because of a lack of uh, security and policing and uh, adjudication on it. What what about that where Mastodon is concerned? I mean, who who will police it? Yeah, and again, because at the moment it's still very much a a volunteer kind of thing, we do have volunteer moderators as well. Ah. Each server has its own sort of rules of engagement, if you will, and there are people that are enforcing them. So, you know, it's thus far, it's a much more pleasant place to be. Now, that said, uh, they're boasting around a million users at the moment, which is uh, actually double what they had only a few weeks ago because there there has been this massive exodus from Twitter. So I think there will be issues with scaling. Um, but uh, for the moment, you know, it's a nice little social network with the best bits of, of sort of Twitter, but with sort of moderation as well and hopefully very effective moderation. Right. Often, I'm ashamed to say, what is attractive about Twitter is some of the, the, the rhetoric that isn't all it should be. I mean, we're, we're attracted to some of the argy-bargy and stuff like that. It, will this be a little too benign and sweet for its own good? I think so, and I came across a wonderful term for that kind of thing the, the other day, uh, particularly in relation to the midterm elections. It was angertainment. 
<laughs> I think that pretty much sums up what Very people good. go to Twitter for. They just yes. go there to, to feel annoyed about something. Yes. Um, now, I don't think Mastodon is going to be the place for that. Uh, hopefully it won't. Um, of course, you know, Twitter is, is ever going to be thus. And I guess, you know, depending on the subject, people will get very passionate about these things. Um, but, you know, hopefully not a Mastodon problem. If you really want to, to you know, get your, your shot of dopamine that way, well, Twitter is there for you and have at it. Right. Um, but would you agree with uh, some of what's been said now that where Twitter is concerned, best days definitely behind it. I mean, is it is it a sinking ship? That's that's the million dollar question, or if you will, the forty four billion dollar yes. question, depending on on you know who, who you ask. Elon Musk has sunk that much money into it, and he's never going to make that back, is he? Absolutely not. Uh, and if he keeps going the, the way he's going, the platform will, you know, collapse under a weight of lawsuits from uh, disgruntled former employees and um, probably a, a, an absolute horde of data protection lawsuits as well. I mean, he just does not seem to be interested in treating his staff with, you know, much in the way of dignity, um, which is a, a big problem. It's going to be a very toxic place to work and maybe an awful lot of people won't want to work for him. So uh, when you also have an environment this sort of toxic, advertisers won't want to be terribly interested Mm. in it either. And people will want to step back. And one of the major missteps Elon Musk has made since joining and since buying it has been selling the the blue, the blue tick. Yes. Would would you just explain that to listeners, how, how that worked and how it works now? Yeah, so uh, in times past, what a blue tick does is it verifies your identity. Right. So this was generally given out to people um, sort of with a very high profile, say celebrities or people working in media where you know trust is certainly an issue or a, a media outlet, again, where trust is an issue. And these would be vetted by Twitter uh, who would go, yeah, OK, that's fine. We have proof of identity here. We're happy you are who you say you are. Have a tick. And that's a, you know, that's a stamp of approval from us. That's, you know, you, you are who you yes. say you are. Hmm. Now, um, Elon Musk opened this up. He decided that, that, you know, this is actually a potential revenue getter here. So for $8, you can buy a blue tick. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll introduce this other tier of, uh, of verification, sort of a green tick that we'll, we'll push underneath your name. So you can still have your verification. But guess what? Your, your blue tick is now something that we can pay money for. And what happened? Well, loads of people bought up or created parody accounts and bought blue ticks for them. So it means nothing now. It means absolutely nothing now. Uh, And there's a huge problem with identity verification on Twitter as a result. Um, So again, uh, there's a lot of people have been up there creating parody accounts, doing, you know, immense brand damage uh, through them. uh, And, you know, generally trash talking people through them as well. So it's, it's a you know, to to use a, a terrible phrase that's overused in the tech sector, unfortunately, it is absolute dumpster fire at the moment. Um, a couple of inquiries as to what happens uh, to get on Mastodon. Uh, you, I presume you download it, do you? Like a, like an app? Uh, there are apps, but I I just go through my web browser. If you if you just uh, do a quick Google for Mastodon. Uh, just click on the link and it'll take you right in and you can create your account. And I just have mine saved as a browser, as a browser tab. But uh, again, there are apps as well that you can, that you can use. But you can, just, um, you can just sign up through your web browser. Is there a version of the blue tick on Mastodon? Not yet, because it hasn't really been a problem. Right. It hasn't really been, a, been an issue. Again, this is, you know, 
up until recently been a very very small project. I mean, mm. it had you know something like three hundred thousand users. You know, very niche. You know, and there are a few people that have noticed online going, "Oh, well, I was there before. It's cool." You know, we, we, we are at that stage. You know, <laughs> um, and it's only in the last few weeks that they've they've managed to you know surpass the million user mark. You know, for comparison, Twitter has like 238 million users uh, and, of course, Facebook over a billion. So it's very, very small fry and it's, you know, it's doubled its user base in two weeks. So there's going to be a bit of a scramble to see, you know, yes. what else, what other lessons it can take from Twitter. One of the critiques is that it's harder to find people to follow on uh, Mastodon. Is, is, is that fair comment? Uh, I have found it quite hard to find people that I would follow already on Twitter. Yeah, I would wonder, you know, is this a case that they just haven't set up on Mastodon or, or you know, are they not interested in, move, in moving or have I just, you know, not found them yet? This is where the importance of signing up to a server uh, comes in. And you can sign up to multiple. You know, you're you're not locked into, you know, say mm. you want to follow people in Ireland. Okay, that's fine. Uh, you can join as many as you want. Of course, it'll make your timeline look very, you know, busy. And you can go into, you know, each individual person who's um, been uh, posting in each server and you go, okay, I'll follow them, I'll follow them, I'll follow them. And you construct your personal timeline that way, uh, just the same as you would on Twitter. Right, very good. And not being cynical or anything, but where where is the genesis of it based? Like, what, what country does this come out of? Well, I mean, the, the founder was uh, Eugene Roscoe, he's German, but uh, as, with, as with all things software-related, I mean, these things can be an international effort and based on feedback from around the world, you know, people going, well, you know what, Twitter's pretty good, but I'd really like if it did this, but it doesn't do anymore, or I'd really like if it had proper moderation, um, so I'm not, you know, subjected to trolling from uh, Russia or China or, you know, God knows what else. All right, Niall. Well, it's always a pleasure, and thank you for your time today. Thank you. Good morning to you. That's Niall Kitson there of techcentral.ie. If you're into all things tech, or indeed if you want to find out more about Mastodon, if you're a Twitter user, uh, techcentral.ie is where you should go, and they have some uh, fantastic articles up there. A listener says, I think the government should allow people to get veterinary cards like the medical card, but for animal treatment, uh, most people are surrendering dogs and dumping them if there's an issue that will cost them hundreds of euro that they don't have and the misfortunate dog suffers. Excuse me, says one of our listeners. Uh, Elaine says, it's heartbreaking about Ryan and the accident and that was my uh, my chat there with Verona a little earlier on and it says uh, my heart goes out to him and Ali and parents Sean and Helen as well they're lovely people says Elaine to us on 083 311 lots more coming into us let me put it together and I'll bring it to you in a short time don't forget if you want to register for match 3 will you do so now because just after 11 we'll be calling somebody back so again register put match 3 your name and your details 083 Three double one double three double one, and of course that's in association with Stakelums. Tip today with Fran Curry with Slattery's Garage. Puck on, you can't beat experience. With over fifty years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. Oh six seven two four one 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 or slatterysgarage.ie. 
Welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. Let's do this. Tip FM's Match 3 Game. Tip FM's Match 3 Game. With Stakelum's Home and Hardware and expert electrical at Racecourse Road, Thurless. Stakelum's.ie And we're going to the phone lines and Deirdre is with us. Deirdre, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed, uh, Deirdre. And how are you today, more importantly? I'm good. I'm good. Good, good stuff. Sun is shining, so ah, it helps, sure isn't, isn't it? Great. Isn't it great? Are you feeling lucky today? Um, well, if Andrew had to ring me out this morning, I was. But <laughs> <laughs> it's me. I had three this morning, but he didn't ring me now. So you'll oh, have to, okay. Well, let's you'll have to give out to him for that. Oh, for listen. I, I'm, I'm just tired <laughs> from giving out to him, Deirdre. That's what it is. Um, okay, you know what the story is then. You have to pick yeah. between 1 and 90. If it's already gone, I'll give you another opportunity. If you end up uh, calling out two that are wrong, I have to say goodbye, Deirdre. Is that okay? Oh, okay. All okay. right, so, um, so you know your first job then, between 1 and 90? Um, 17. Let's go to number 17. Let's open that box. 17 is a Fitbit Inspire, and it's worth just under 100 euros, so it's a nice one indeed. You know the story now. You have to match uh, three, Deirdre, so uh, open another box for me. Um, 29. 29. Let's see what number 29 has for us. You're doing well because number 29 is also a Fitbit Inspire. So it's a nice prize. Are you feeling lucky now? No, the next one now is a guess, Fran. The next one is a guess, is it? You okay. nearly want to be sitting on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Keep then. Up with it. The but next... anyway, we'll go and yeah. it might help somebody else out. Uh, we'll go with 31. We'll go with 31 and we'll see what happens where that is concerned. Oh, Deirdre. Deirdre, Deirdre. It's a George Foreman grill, can you believe? So sadly, you don't win your prize today, but you came very close. Yeah, yeah, I might get there, yes. You might get there yet, and you certainly (laughs) helped out a lot of people, I would imagine, out there as well. Do you want to say hello to somebody as you're on, Deirdre? I'm sure anyone that knows me. Very good indeed. What part of the world are you in, by the way? I'm in a place called Brownstown, Clackjordan. Oh, very good indeed. Beautiful part of the world up around there. I know lots of people there. Look after yourself, Deirdre. Okay, thank you, Bye-bye to you now. That's Deirdre Clear there up there near Clock Jordan. Two out of three ain't bad, as Meatloaf would say. All right, uh, let us go back to our computer and do this. For every problem, there's a solution. Dear Phil, on Tip Today with Phil Prendergast. And the lady with all the solutions, Phil Prendergast, is with me in studio. Hello, Phil. Good morning, friend. I don't know about all the solutions to this one. There's a little bit of complexity here. There is indeed. But first of all, can I talk to you about Vicky Phelan? Because, of course, uh, you know, huge outpouring of grief since yeah. the announcement of her death. Uh, yesterday, all the newspapers, say, all the front pages. Uh, yeah, she was a real trailblazer, yeah. wasn't she? Wasn't and she a, just, a yeah. woman who stood up for her conviction. I remember when she was uh, went to America for her treatment, and there was a continuous blog, and the setbacks that she got, and she was in at what you'd say the centre of excellence with everything you could possibly need to monitor, to assess, to realise the effect or whatever. And I suppose when you're on um, a program like that you're hoping that every day is going to make you better and you're going to feel better and this these are 
groundbreaking treatments and at the end of the day you can only do what you can do. I think she made the right call when she realised that she had more tumours growing back and she decided to give herself a quality of the remaining time she had on this earth which is what she did and she did it with her plan and I think she had great dignity and she she really made a difference to accountability in this country for um, for people who are failed by the system and uh, the light of heaven to her. Thanks for that, Phil. Um, we'll have a look at our very first letter. It says, Hi, Phil. I'm a lady in my 50s and I go to the gym almost every day. I enjoy it and I feel so much better since I started going after suffering from various health issues over the years. I would be very comfortable with my body and I'm at an age now where I don't care who sees my wobbly bits. While I wouldn't be walking around with everything hanging out, I wouldn't be afraid to let the towel drop while I'm getting dressed. This takes me on to an incident last week where I was getting dressed and had the towel on the floor. Just as I had the bra on, a woman approached me and asked if I could please show some decency because she had her young son with her and my behaviour was inappropriate. I asked uh, what she meant by behaviour and she said that allowing myself to be naked with young people in the changing room was very inappropriate. I told her I only let my towel drop to get changed and she needed to lighten up. She called me a pervert. I was mortified. I haven't gone back to the gym since. I don't think I did anything wrong, but I can't help but question if maybe it was my fault. Normally people look the other way if somebody's changing. And should we not be proud of our bodies? So, Fran, when I when I read this first, I, 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 I read and took the view that the woman getting changed should have been more appropriate in how she gets changed. Now, I assume that this has to be a facility with a swimming pool because normally I, I go to the gym and I go home and do all... And, and I can tell you now, this one, if she's going nearly every day in her 50s, she hasn't got too many wobbly bits. But anyway, we'd say nothing that's if another, we're not going to have another discussion. a competition <laughs> yes. for wobbly bits. But I, I just think that um, the lady who approached her did it in front of her young child her young son, and therefore in me conflagrated the situation because she drew attention to the woman, made her feel bad, called her a pervert, and that, like, that really wasn't appropriate in my view. There's family rooms where people who have children can be with them in there and get them dressed. And and to my knowledge, and, and I, this is where I am definitely in the wrong, I thought that there was a separate entrance and exit for them, that they wouldn't have to go through a general changing room. That mm. was my idea of it. I think that's the way some of those are designed. But that, that could be... It depends be, on the yes, gym, I suppose. I'm sure it does. Yeah. But anyway, I just thought... Um, the woman is very comfortable with her body and she has no hesitation in saying she'd probably do good in a nudist speech, but she didn't deserve to be abused by a woman who was there, who who felt that it was entirely inappropriate. I, I think the two of them are at fault to a degree here because I think the lady who's so comfortable with her body that she didn't mind about being naked in the, in the changing room was, you know, just going along minding her own business to get ready. I know back in the day when I used to go to the swimming pool and you'd come out and you know the way you have to fight to get into your clothes and you'd be thinking, oh, Jesus. And, you know, I used I to know. just go into the toilet because I couldn't be sticking it like about <laughs> waiting to try and get drier. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but anyway, I, I think the two of them are, are as wrong. The, the the woman who called her a pervert, I, I think she was drawing attention to maybe how she feels about her own body. 
and given a lesson to her son that may not be entirely the correct thing. But the woman that's very laissez-faire about being nude in, in a, a public space equally needs to be a little bit more circumspect. You can get towels that just have a, that go around your neck and mm. they hang there and you can get as dressed as you like without being inappropriate in it. So I just feel that there's room for thought on both sides. I would be interested uh, in what people think about this. But I, I don't think the young fellow was put into consideration with either of the women, the mother of the child mm. and mm. the woman who was who, who was very comfortable with her body. So um, I just felt it was one that there was, yeah. there was no real winner there because there's a way around it for both of them. And if the woman is happy with her body, she should go to somewhere where there's where there's like-minded people and just go to, you know. Yeah, but I mean, she did have a towel on until it was time to do whatever. She said, I only let my towel drop to get changed. Yeah. And, you know, she, the, the, this woman told her that and she needed to lighten up, but she called her. Now, I mean, why the woman hasn't gone back to the gym since? Why, yeah. why is that like? She, well, obviously there was a variable. And maybe other people heard it and it got nasty or something. Yeah, but I, I suppose they, they can clarify that for us if if they want. But mm. I, I don't I, I don't think this woman's intention was to um, hurt anybody. Mm. And I do think that if the mum was very concerned coming out with her young child, who was also in probably at the poolside or whatever, that. Um, to draw attention to somebody's nudity in front of the child that and call her a pervert was not correct. Yeah, certainly not. So it's a, it's an interesting one, but what I'm really interested in is that you you sort of change your mind a little bit on on considering this problem. I you? did because my first thing was, what's yeah. the lady in her fifties doing walking around nude in a, in a gym? Because I don't. Well, she wasn't really no, but walking you see, around was, nude, was when, she? When just... I when I read the the letter yeah. first, this is what came at me, yeah. and I just thought. Gosh, that's that's not right, you know. But then when I I, I read into it and I, I looked back on it again and I saw both sides. Mm. And then I saw the woman that had the six-year-old whom she was trying to protect, she actually made him probably never forget this issue. I suppose, yeah. And, and also calling a woman a pervert for, for getting dressed in a gym after being having a legitimate reason to be there. She wasn't being there to be an exhibitionist. But she's yeah. comfortable in her body, so that's why I think it would be a, a good one to get feedback. Um, so I yeah, don't. Well, let's let's get some feedback on that from from listeners. Only three three double one double three double one. I I must admit I was in Iceland on on one occasion. I was in a, a spa sort of thing there, and like the dressing rooms, these guys were prancing around with all their wobbly bits wobbling, and I was <laughs> I was appalled. By it. I was in Austria with the same thing. Absolutely appalled. By it. Strolling around, yes. uh, and I just and and I in there with the, the togs on yeah. that, they, that was back in the day when you'd be wearing your togs, <laughs> the togs. Yeah, I know and um, I can remember also being appalled and mortified and I'm thinking well, oh my that's god that's something about, about us I mean I turned the other way in the bath for god's sake you know yeah well you see we're, we're a bit so well I suppose it depends as well on how good you feel about yourself I, I go in and have my shower I get out of the shower I get dressed I've picked out what I'm going to wear I haven't left there I go to my ritual continues I take the clothes yes. I go down and to the machine go. and off yeah. I go. Yeah. But like there are, we definitely are probably a bit prudish in this country. But yeah. having said that, I think you have to be very cognizant because the other side of this was if the woman, if it was a man coming out with his little daughter and, or no, uh, if it was a woman coming out with with her child and 
it was a man that had dropped the towel. Right. There would be a whole lot of a different interpretation on that again. Right. So um, that's interesting, though. You know, it? I mean, it just you have to flip it when you are calling. So that's why I, you couldn't make a judgment on this because I think they they both are a bit wrong. But the the woman who drew attention to our young child and the woman's wobbly bits, as she says herself, it it kind of um, mm. you know she wasn't correct to call her a pervert. The woman wasn't there in a perverted state. She was there because she was she'd been at the gym. She'd had a shower. She was getting dressed. All right, so uh, let, let's hear from you on that. 83 311 We'll be popping stuff up on uh, Facebook for you to, uh, to uh, have your say as well. All right, our second letter, dear Phil, my husband and I have been married for five years and every Christmas we have his parents over. They don't live nearby, so they come on Christmas Eve and they leave on the 27th. I don't see much of them during the year, so I put up with it. But this year, I'm putting my foot down. My father-in-law in particular is quite difficult. He is the king of everywhere he is, and our house is no different. When he arrives, he is ordering around either myself or his wife to bring him whatever he wants. He takes control of the telly and he dictates the times that we eat. I've had enough. After last Christmas, I told my husband no more. I think he thought I was just stressed and I would give in again next uh, this year, but I'm done. He told me last night that his parents are talking about this Christmas again, but I told him that he had to tell them that we're not doing it this year. He refuses to and says we can't do that to his parents. We're at stalemate. I told him if he wants them, here, fine, but I'm going somewhere else. What's the best way around this so it doesn't cause war within the family? Oh, gosh. I, I'm sure a lot of people can sort of... Yeah, they can identify with, yeah. with this. You know, I, well, first of all, I, I think she can change some of the, the, the management of how she does it. Like, it's once a year they seem to come. Um, I know coming on Christmas Eve and staying till the 27th can seem like a very long time, but in actual reality, it's not that long. In relation to his behaviour, if I was her now, I would have that remote control absolutely out of sight. <laughs> so so you would deal with the father? I would deal with the father. I would say, listen, we're going to have... This is what we're... She needs to go occupy herself in a different way. If watching TV in a family room with a family, she doesn't particularly get on with, then she needs to go for a walk in the woods mm. while they're sitting down and he's doing his, his Lord of the, the Manor kind of thing. I, I think that to keep peace with her husband, it's, you know, that maybe, to, I know that it would be absolutely abhorrent if the husband said to her, well, we go to them instead. But by going to them instead, at least they could say, will we go Christmas Day for the day? Yes, you're in control. You're in control right. and they can leave when they like. But like, it's it's just one of those complexities that, you know, they're, they only seem to be married five years um, and there must be no other family because it's always them they come mm, to. Mm. So I think it's something they're going to have to chat out a bit. But for this year, she might need to come and she might need to take the father's side and say, listen, you know, very happy to have you really but I think you need to be a little less of a dictator in relation to what we watch on TV um, well the other thing she could do is organise that she has enough stuff to be doing so that she's not getting so annoyed the, there's no question about how she gets <coughs> on with the mother 
no mention uh, of that at all. No. You know, so I, I'm sure herself and the mother could do something if that was to Right, to but be surely her thing. husband should say, look, you know, have them over and I'll deal with my father and I'll chat well, to him. Well, you, you know? see, that would be my instinct that that, that should be mm. happening. But it seems like that he's passive yes. and just wants an easy time. But this is a discord within a marriage in a very stage, in the early stage in their lives. And if these are the only... Um, if this this boy is the only child of those parents, he is in a bit of a dilemma in trying to keep his wife happy and to keep them happy. Right. But it's only once a year and it's only for, a, like, really, you can break it down into hours if you need to. You can, but it's Christmas and it's her home. and you know. Yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah. And I understand, I think it's quite complex. It's just that... She said she's had enough after last Christmas. I told my husband no more. So that was after four years, yes. four visits. Right. And I suppose she's looking down the long lens and saying, this is forever. This, these people are, now, you know, this is going to be forever that I have to put up with this. Mm. But like, I would find it very odd that um, that they can't come to some arrangement whereby if they're, if they're only seeing, and are they only seeing them then once a year? Well, it sounds like that. Oh, it's, right. it's very odd because yeah. it doesn't seem like a normal dynamic for a family. The father-in-law sounds like a, a well, right he sounds like a right. That, yeah, Either myself like or his wife bringing him whatever he wants. Well, you see, <laughs> I'd be one of those people who could say, do you know where that is now? Just go get it yourself. <laughs> and I would, you see, I, I would say that. But she sounds as if it's it's really gotten to her. Right. And um, they are going to have to chatter it out. And I think that the best thing that would be if the son would say, listen, Dad, you, you just need to stop bossing around our house. But like, it's it's just, a, it's an odd one because it seems to be very specific that they only come once a year oh, once on a Christmas year, yeah. Eve. Until one one of our listeners put a lot of thought into this, obviously, and says, tell the old lad to pick off. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, that could be my first filter. <laughs> um, and where our first letter was concerned... Uh, she was in the ladies' dressing room. What uh, did the lady with the child expect? And uh, Martina was on to say, I totally uh, disagree with Phil on this occasion. That woman, in my opinion, did absolutely nothing wrong. She wasn't walking around nude. She was simply getting changed and calling her a pervert. I can completely understand why the woman never went back to the gym. She probably had to pluck up courage to go there in the first place. In fact, if I was that woman, I would get legal advice for uh, being called a pervert. That's a huge statement to make and very upsetting and degrading. Oh, I think I made that point, though, um, in yep. fairness. So I wasn't, I, I wouldn't be in, in disagreement. I, I think the woman was quite legitimately getting dressed. I did say that. Mm, yeah. But, um, Somebody else saying uh, exposing herself to a minor, she should have thought about the people around her. She, she wasn't, she wasn't exposing no. herself to a minor. She was in a place where people were getting dressed after a facility, um, using a facility, and um, somebody else decided to call her a pervert for for being mm. in a position where she was getting redressed. Quite, um, you yeah. know, I think there's a there's a conflicting information in relation to it because and on you know, on on the in the start of the letter she said, you know, I'm very comfortable with my body and all of that. So she's yes. very comfortable about nudity. But like it's you don't go to a gym so that you can be nude afterwards. You go to a gym to do the gym and, you know, part of that is if, if that is the facility and the idea is that you have your shower and you go you go and you get dressed into different clothes and go off to town or whatever. Um, I think the woman that called her a pervert was wrong because I think she she did, she, she body shamed her 
but she also drew attention to her six yes. or whatever age her son was. And that's the thing, because quite a few people, including Declan Dunphy on that, what age was the boy? Does that matter to you? I mean, obviously he was well, a child, but, Well, you know. whatever he was, the, the, the mother mm-hmm. of that young fella um, drew attention to something yes. and and probably like, would have gone over the kid's head, you know. I mean, it, absolutely, yeah. or he, he he might have been looking at her. But sure, I mean, yeah. we all looked at people when we saw them sort of doing things they shouldn't be doing, and mm. it was quite like as kids you were sort of really. Oh, innocent. not me! I turned my head. Um, <laughs> letter number three, dear Phil, my husband and I have been married for nearly ten years now, and we always had a good relationship. He went on a stag weekend with a bunch of friends a few weeks ago and I didn't bat an eyelid. I trust him completely. But when he came home, he told me that they went to a strip club and he got a lap dance. He thought it was funny, but I was completely devastated by it. I never thought he was somebody who would be into that and while I'm not a prude, it's made me so insecure in questioning our relationship. I can't get the image out of my mind of a naked woman writhing up against him and him enjoying it. Stop laughing, Phil. I feel like I've been cheated on. I'm also afraid that it might have sparked something sexual in him and he might want to cheat with another woman. He says I'm being totally dramatic and he wished he never said anything and thought we'd laugh about it. I suggested counselling but he says, I'm losing the run of myself. What do you think we should do? I think she should absolutely lighten up. First of all, <laughs> he went to a strip club as part of this whatever, by organised by whoever. And a lap dance. That would not have been a naked woman no. in the lap dance, first of all. Right? Not that I'd know, but no. But it wouldn't have <sighs> been because it's that's. I don't think that's a, an hour. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. Declan. <laughs> anyway, so... She was afraid it might have sparked something sexual in him. And he might. This man came back and said, listen, this is what we did. It was great crack. And she absolutely... He told takes her all the, about it. Absolutely. So he says she's been totally dramatic. I think she is. She's absolutely misinterpreting what was an occasion where he came back and he said, look, this is what we did. Um, we went to a strip club. Actually, there was a lap dance. This woman came and she was doing her bit as they do that is their job if you like if you go to those kind of places so um he he said she thought he told her he that she's been totally dramatic and he wished he'd never said anything as he thought they'd laugh about it and this woman on the basis of one journey away after they're married 10 years thinks that he should have counseling now because he told her he went to a lap dance. What was the counselling? Uh, well, it, it couldn't because this is a total overreaction to an event that you, you would not want your husband going to a lap dance club every weekend. You certainly would not. But I think in the context of this, it was a stag party. Mm. He went away for the weekend. He came back and he said, listen, till I tell you what happened. And she totally and absolutely... You know, now, so obviously she's feeling insecure because she was wondering, would that have sparked something sexual in it? Like, hello? Anyone can have thoughts in their head about anyone they like and they can stay in their head and it doesn't affect their marriage or their relationship or anything else. But this lady is actually, I think, worrying too much about something. And I think that she should just be a little bit pragmatic think to herself, yeah, I'm a little bit sad about that and then she needs to get over it because I don't think this man in any way did 
And mm. it, look, it, I, I, I don't think it's something you'd like every every stag party that it's going to be something like that. Yes. Lots, lots of them do hiking up to the top of the hill and back down again and go for pints. Um, and people do different things and things come into vogue and things go out of vogue. This in this particular occasion whatever genre of people he was with, that was their idea of, um, you know, entertainment for the poor fella that was getting married who would never be able to enjoy anything again. And here, this poor fella who was the beneficiary of the stag, uh, the, yes. the the lap dancing thing. So well, I, it's just a pity if a 10-year relationship that was obviously a good relationship could be destroyed by this. Well, she's suggesting counselling, but maybe she should go and have a chat with someone herself so yeah. that she can maybe reevaluate her attitude to it because I don't think this is um, a sackable offence for yes. the poor husband. And also know. maybe an understanding of what lap dancing actually is. That it's, it's, it, look, it's, it's a yeah. thing that yeah. is put on for people's entertainment and it's in a context where usually people have a, a good few drinks and they go there and it, it, it that's not an affair. That's not somebody doing something that's wrong. It, it's 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 a place where that sort yeah. of behaviour is considered part of the programme. Interesting. So she needs to look after herself a bit. She needs to have a chat concerned. maybe with somebody and maybe get her thing. And her husband came back and it wasn't a fessing up. He was telling her about the weekend. Yeah. It wasn't, oh, wait till I tell you what happened or wait till I confess to you. He wasn't confessing anything because he didn't, as he, there's nothing happened. <laughs> Phil, it's always good to see you. And thanks very much indeed for coming on with us uh, today. And if you want to react to any of that, a huge reaction in, especially to the first letter. Uh, loads more in on that. And I'll bring it to you if I get time in just uh, a little while. Thanks, Phil. Um, we'll take a break. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back. Huge response to uh, Phil's letters today. Just to bring you a couple. Uh, one listener says, I think that lady with the child should lighten up about nakedness. I never hid my body from my kids and neither did their father. Going swimming, getting changed, having showers, that kind of thing. They grew up without any hang-ups and they're about their bodies or anybody else's body. If kids are used to changing in a busy changing area, then they won't pay any attention to what's going on and we're not Perverts, it says here. Somebody else agreeing the old lad should be told to feck off. That's lovely. Um, this says, hi, friend. In relation to the pool thing, it's all uncomfortable. It's also uncomfortable for women trying to change when mothers have older boys in the female uh, changing room. I don't really want somebody six, seven-year-old boy uh, standing staring at me if I'm getting changed. And yes, that has happened while the mother is tapping away to her friends or getting ready herself. So really, gyms need to have family-friendly changing areas, but most don't. The pool that I go to has many women who like to stand around in their undies, drying their hair or doing their makeup or whatever. It's their leisure time and they paid a lot for their membership. So they are probably entitled to, to do that too. Like the lady in the text said, most people just turn away and do their own thing. Live and let live. And that's just a taste of what's been coming into us. Now, Casual Choral and Dramatic Group presents the uh, hilarious comedy Say Cheese at Brew Brew Theatre in Cashel from the 24th to the 27th of November. And I'm delighted to say that Governor Long from the uh, Dramatic Group uh, joins me now. Governor, good morning to you. Good morning, Stan. How are you, Ben? I'm very well indeed, Governor. So good to talk to you uh, today. Tell me about this. It is very much a comedy, isn't it? Oh, 
absolutely the left out loud comedy friend uh, first of all I have to say we are delighted to be back on stage in Boo our first production since 2019 we all know why so it is we're delighted and I, I'll just tell you a bit about stage cheese just to look at the story yes. you know the and the listeners Valentine and Bridie Fagan are Ireland's happiest couple or so healthy cheese promoter Mr Bradshaw would have us believe Heather Fagan, her daughter, has submitted 150 cheese wrappers and entered her parents in the competition. And they won. What's that right? Fame and fortune. Along with the opportunity to reenact their wedding as it was on St. Valentine's Day 30 years before. And the event is going to be videoed, complete with their original honeymoon suite. And bridesmaid Goldie and best man Rory Henderson will also appear. And making the occasion extra special is the appearance of the long lost son, Ray, who is to return after being away for 11 years in the Canadian Special Forces. And all of this takes place under the observant eye of hotel manager, Mr. Lestrange, and housekeeping staff member, Julie. So, there, that is basically the story. Very good. Uh, this is a Bernard Farrell play, I think, is it? It is a Bernard Farrell play. I have to say, I think this is our third or fourth one. Uh, we have done with Bernard, done Bernard Farrell plays. We have done and I know we don't. We have done Canaries all the way back and Bookworms, and uh, we actually did this play back in 2006 before. But a lot of us were much younger. <laughs> Indeed, I'm not sure. Have you on us? Uh, have you us on loudspeaker there, Governor? Because your phone isn't isn't uh, terrific. We just. Uh... I, t- I actually had because I'm at work, so I was here in a quiet spot. All right. Sorry, I've right. taken it up. No, 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 that, that's much better it. because we just couldn't hear you as well as we, we should be doing. Uh, what about casting then? I mean, you, I know you have some of the, the older seasoned members, but you have some new members as well, haven't you? We certainly have. Well, we have a strong cast of eight men and four women playing, of course, a collection of great characters. On the direction, of course, of Oliver Corbett, before I forget poor Oliver, yes. our longtime director of Cash and Corn and Domestic Society, and of course, actor. Yes, we have, well, playing the happy couple, uh, Valentine, uh, Valentine and Bridie Fagan. Justin Irwin plays Valentine, and of course, we all know Justin is a um, very experienced actor sure. and yeah. director. And uh, Bridie's been played by Janet McEntee, a Clonmel lady. Uh, new face in our cast, but has years of experience on other stages in Clonmel. We have another new lady to us. Uh, Aoife Dennehy, she's playing their uh, highly strong daughter, Heather. And Aoife makes her debut with Cash Accord and Dramatic Society this year. But again, I've had many years of stage experience all over the country. So we're delighted, of course, to have her on board. Isn't it, um, isn't it great? Yeah. And it's uh, wonderful. Uh, and another new one, a new yeah. person to us is Rory. Um, we're playing the part of their son, should I say. Uh, Dan, um, he's playing their son, Ray, is uh, Daniel Bowes. Now, Daniel... Uh, it is his first show with us, but he, ha- he has been uh, a familiar face to casual pantomime goers. Mm. But he does follow in the footsteps of his sister Neve and brother Chris, who uh, have done shows with us in the past. And I have to tell you about the connection with Daniel and his sister Neve, uh, um, because Neve actually played the part of Julie, the hotel maid, when we brought State Cheese to the stage back in 2006. So it's great to have a, a connection from one production to the so, so many years later, 16 years later. Um, uh, Brew Brew, oh, yeah. of course, is, is just such a fantastic uh, place oh. to have something like this because it's so intimate. It works so well, Governor. And works so well. And you can, everybody can be heard. It doesn't matter what part yeah. uh, you're in the audience. As you know, yeah. everybody can be heard. It's fabulous. Um, <laughs> tic- tickets on sale, Governor, I presume? 
Yes, tickets are on sale. Uh, first of all, of course, at Brubaru, and their landline is 062-61122. And, of course, uh, we cannot do a production without the help of Odewire's Pharmacy mm. here on the main street in Cashel, and we do thank them um, most sincerely. 062-61318 is their contact number, and our tickets are 15 euro, but... Uh, we do have a concession on Thursday night, the 24th, for €10 Euro for students and senior citizens. Nice. So okay. that's that. So it's the 24th to the 27th of November, which is next week, essentially, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, where is the month going, for God's sake? Do, do you, know what, stri- do you know what strikes me about comedy, and I often wonder about this, Governor, is that when you're rehearsing, you're rehearsing, obviously, without an audience, and you're never sure till you go on stage, will the laughs come? Is, is that always a bit of a, a, bit of a sort well, of a Do you know what? Concern? I suppose there'd be a few of us there uh, helping yeah. at rehearsals, and we're laughing. Yes. <laughs> you know, and we might, but the thing is, we'll always get a laugh. Okay, what I laugh at and what you laugh at are two different yeah, places. Yeah. And that's the best part of co- about comedy. You know, the laughs are in it. You can yeah. rely on Bernard Farrell at all times to have the laughs. So they're there. And as I say, people are uh, helping at, say, in the background at, at rehearsals. And suddenly you hear somebody giggling or laughing. Yeah, yeah. So you have to get used to that. This gives the actors a chance to get used to it as well. You of know? course, yeah, because yeah. That, that plays a part in the timing of it and the pacing Absolutely. of it and all it's of all that. Kind of timing. Well. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. right. So it's Say Cheese, Brew Brew Theatre in Cashel, the 24th to the 27th. And I'll just give that number for Brew Brew again. It's 062 611 or from O'Dwyer's Pharmacy. I presume you can just pop in there as well. Can oh, you? God, you can, yeah. of course. Yes, yeah. yes. And uh, all there will be delivered. To help you, right? <laughs> and, and tell you the tickets. And their number is 0626131818. We, we'll have all those numbers here at reception as well. I hope it goes fantastic. I hope to get along to it, Governor, because uh, I love what we, you do there with the Coral and Dramatic Society. Thanks a million, friend, and we look forward to seeing you there. All right, take care of yourself, Governor. Good to talk to you. Thanks bye-bye. a million, bye-bye, friend. Bye bye, Governor Long speaking to us there uh, about Say Cheese, uh, the uh, most recent uh, production from Cashel Coral and Dramatic Society, and the very first since the dreaded uh, pandemic as well. And we wish them well. And Oliver Corbett there is uh, the man who's looking after um, everything there, director and producer, and all of that. 1800-938-007. The lady with the impossible father-in-law, friend. It's her house. And um, she needs to lay down the law. My house, my rules. He sounds like a bully. He got everything handed to him all his life and he reared a docile son. He needs to support his wife and back her up, says one of our listeners who's rather cross. And that's making reference again to uh, one of our listeners, one of our letters even, to uh, uh, dear Phil today. All right, we'll take a break and we're back with more. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, just uh, 21 years of age, Tipperary man Brian Buckley is uh, Ireland's youngest country music promoter and he has a fantastic show coming up on uh, this coming Friday night at Brew Brew in Cashel. But Brian joins me now. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Fran. Good morning to your listeners and thanks for having me on the show. You're thanks very welcome indeed. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people, Brian, intrigued at the notion that a young guy like you is not only uh, promoting country music, but very interested in country music as well. Yeah, I suppose it's a bit different from my age and my age group, but it is, I suppose, um, a lot of younger people getting into it with the younger bands, the likes of Mike Denver, Derek Ryan, and Michael English have done a lot for the scene and it's great mm. to see uh, 
a huge, I suppose, surge with younger people attending the dances, more so up the north, but down south now a little bit as well. There's younger people going jiving, and there's a lot of jiving classes and things like that. So, yeah, it's great to be involved. I suppose running them is, is a different side of it as well, especially for, for my age, but it's something I enjoy and have been doing now for the last three or four years, I think. How do you, how did you get into it in the first place, Brian? Oh, well, I was always listening to local radio, and uh, I was always a big fan of Richie Kavanagh, actually. Mm. In Fukalala and those sorts of things. I, um, he was one of the first that I used to listen to, and then it developed into listening to Jimmy Buckley's and the Mike Denvers. And, and I just got a, I suppose it was interesting. I met Big Tom one night, and then at a show, and mm. um, Michael Cummins from the Farmers Journal interviewed me, and he put a little write up into the Farmers Journal. And then I got a contact uh, call from Hot Country TV or Sky Television. I'd done a show on that for six or eight weeks, and just led on to that. I ran a couple of things there at home in the venue in Dundrum and with the likes of T.R. Dallas and Dave Lawler and then it went on to some kind of bigger things and concerts like this one on Friday night at the Brook And uh, what about that promoting concerts? I mean, it's... it's. I was going to say, it's a, it's a difficult business, uh, Brian, because at the end of the day, you're never sure um, about, you know, big audiences and the like, particularly nowadays and stuff. I mean, it, like, is it difficult on the nerves, for example? Well, it is a little bit. You're, you're always stressed and worried about ticket sales and attendances and what the crowd will be like and you don't know what's in the night so you just have to take whatever shows up as you know yourself you don't know what's yeah. the night especially with the dances and that at least with the concerts you might have some idea but after COVID things have definitely slowed down a little bit people are a bit slower to book tickets now and a bit hesitant with COVID back around again but it's great to see people back out and concerts back on and dances back and you know but people are I suppose in the cost of things as well for sure. You're dealing with some of the, the, the biggest names in uh, country music as well. What are they like? Are, are they okay to deal with? Aren't they decent? <laughs> they are, I suppose. So look, they're all very different and they're all out there to, to get as many in the door as they can and sell as much tickets. It's a very competitive game. As, as, as you know, it's all down to crowds and who can draw the numbers and mm. who can pack out these venues. But it doesn't, it doesn't happen easy. It takes a lot of advertising. It takes a lot of promotion, social media, and posters, and as you know yourself, mm. the likes of Tip FM and that have been great owned there as well, mm. and constantly plugging things. I suppose that all the artists always thank local radio. Without them, that's the kind of key to promoting any concert or dance. You know, absolutely, because there's very little um, promotion from national radio. That's that's certainly the case. That has always been a big thing. In my short space of time involved. That's always something that's brought up. Is it doesn't get much coverage at all. I suppose the Late Late Show has done a special the last couple of years, which is, I think it had one of the highest rated mm. views after the Thai Show. So that that's yeah. it. It's very high rating. I often wonder about, though, whether yeah. or not it's any good for the artists or good for the business, essentially. I know, well, I know. that's it, too. Maybe yeah. people just decide to tune in, whether they decide then to book tickets to go well, see that's, Mike that's, Denver. Yeah, that's, the other thing, that's so. a different ball game altogether, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Okay, but it's um, still good to get the exposure. Uh, this coming Friday night, you have a fantastic night tonight with the country stars, and uh, what a lineup there is! Mick, Mick is there. Mick Flavin and Patrick Feeney and Sean Cuddy and Paddy O'Brien and Young Owen Mack is there as well. And I'm just thinking, is that the way it's going, Brian? Um, that it's a combination of stars that seems to work now. Is that is that it? Well, I suppose people are getting a, a, a great night of entertainment. They're getting great value for money. Five acts on the one night or six or seven. Some nights we run them in different places and different amounts of acts and different artists every night. But, well, all, a lot of those artists do their own concerts as well. But a night like this, I suppose, gives people in temporary to go see five acts on the one stage. One of them might be their favourite. One of them they may not like, but they do get to see five of them. Mm. Or, or a couple of them, you know, they're getting 
good good value for money, I suppose. And the Brewbrew, I suppose, a lovely theatre. You know it yourself, and it's real intimate. And staff and all there are lovely, and the people at Tipperary really seem to like that theatre. It's very popular for those yeah. sort of shows. It's a great opportunity for some of the younger artists to then uh, to be on along with uh, the bigger attractions, I suppose, because it gives them stage time and it gives them audience time. Well, that's yeah. Those sort of nights have really. Um, I suppose given the opportunity to like to own Mac and those younger stars, you know, um, to, to, to perform to, to big audience or sold out theatres because they're on, on the bill with big names such as the likes of Mike Denver and different bits and pieces. Of course, with Patrick Feeney there on Friday night, who's one of the three amigos, who's yes. one of the top draws um, on the country. And one of the best singers as well, for my money. He's, definitely, he's yeah, definitely. Yeah. A powerful voice. And yeah. the last time you had him in the group room there, he got a standing ovation or two, yeah. if, I, if I remember right, for Bula Vogue and uh, things yeah. like that. It's a powerful voice, definitely. Oh, absolutely incredible indeed. Um, I'm just wondering in terms of uh, the gig on the night, there's still tickets available for that? There is tickets still available from the, the box office in the Brubaroo. You can give them a ring, um, I think 062-611-22, and they have them on their website as well. And uh, there's a few there at home in Heffern and Shop and Dundrum since I started running those concerts. Fiera and Philip have been great to sell tickets and that there as well. So anyone in the locality that wants to go in, they can pop into Heffernan's and grab their tickets there. Very good. You're, you're running gigs now way outside of Tipperary in, in Dublin, for example, as well. Um, is, is that a very different market? Is it a tougher sell when you're in the big city? Well, we run the Red Cow on a Thursday night. Yeah. Thursday night dancing up there. Dublin, for, from what I gather, and I can see it now after taking over the Red Cow after COVID, it's... it's the city is definitely not popular for country music. If we have 300 people in there on a Thursday for the likes of Robert Mazell or whoever, there's definitely 250 of them travelling from the likes of Kildare and Mead. You're not relying on the... Is there? Isn't the that amazing? Well, definitely not. No, there's yeah. just... People say it was always disco and rock, I suppose, around the, the city. But then I have a guy who helps me on the door done the door in the likes of Barry's Hotel in Dublin. Ollie, you know him from... Yeah, I know Ollie well. Yeah. He done the door in... Barry's Hotel and that and they'd be on Thursdays and Friday nights you could have Big Tom playing tonight he'd tell you and they'd have maybe 2,000 people they could Absolutely. turn away a thousand and they'd go in somewhere else and they'd be packed you know there'd be five or six things on the one night and I, I'm old enough to remember oh. all, all the places there around Parnell Square places like yes. the Iron Ballroom and yeah absolutely yeah they're absolutely jealous I hear all these great stories yeah, yeah. now the crowds I suppose one tenth of that but they're still great crowds considering Bernie back after Covid and yeah to see people still coming still out there. I, I'm sure you'd agree with me as well. I've never seen such talent as some of the younger kids now who are singing and uh, the younger women, the younger guys. Yeah. It, it's they're really incredible, aren't they? There is, yeah. There's a great surge of them there, especially after COVID as well. There's a lot of new stars coming on, and the likes of young old Mac there. He's he's only back after he's incredible, yeah. five or six nights in Canada, and a lot of them were close to sold out or big crowds. There were big theaters. There weren't small theaters anyway that he'd done, you know. So they say he's the next answer to Daniel O'Donnell. So mm. uh, we've had him in the Rubru a few times as well, and he's he's, he's very popular. Mm. And he's a on. lovely fella as well, which is so he important, is. isn't it? Travelling with him and that, and he loves meeting the people, and he seems to go down very well. Yeah, uh, you sort of preempted what I was going to say to you. I mean, who do you see as the next Daniel and the uh, the next uh, the next Nathan? Now, I suppose if you could tell that, you'd be a multimillionaire already. But I mean, who, what what do you think? Who's I out there? They're all very different out there now. You know, mm. I know it's great name and names or that, but you know, they're they've all their own sort of unique twist on the thing, and they've all their own followers, and then you have people that just follow them all. And, mm. 
So they're all doing quite well, but it's it's a tough thing to, as you know, you know, it's, as I was saying earlier on, it's, it takes a lot to sell tickets and it takes a lot to get a lot of people to pay in at the door. So, you know, it's, mm. it's definitely a tough game and definitely for any young stars coming into it to, to, to break through it. It's very I like hard, the local radio on that and even though in recent times like the door tier on TG Car and that a lot of people praise those sort of platforms for giving the opportunity of course. to those younger. A lot of people missing Spotlight TV as well because it was a great platform for Well yeah, that's gone as well. Yeah, yeah. did you ever think of branching out uh, past country music and promoting other concerts or not necessarily at the moment, but sure it might happen down the line. <laughs> this seems to be popular at the moment. So it'll, yes. just, it, it'll need the coverage and I suppose the, the pushing all the time as well. But any any genre of music or any concert takes the, takes the same thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So this coming Friday night anyway, a night with the country stars Mick Flavin, Patrick Feeney, Sean Cuddy, Paddy O'Brien and young Owen Mack uh, who is playing a storm as well. And that yeah. number is uh, 62 and, and you were saying tickets at Heffernan's as well, Brian? In Dundrum and, and online, brubaroo.ie as well. And there'll probably be a few on the door on the night people may not know until Friday whether they're going or not but they'll be able to call on along All right. the group. So you won't turn people away or anything? Definitely not. No, we're not known for that. All right. All right. Brian, really good to talk to you. We wish you, you much fun. success and thanks for talking to me today. Thank no you. No problem. Thanks a million. Good thanks morning again, to you. Bye-bye Bye. to you now. That's uh, Brian Buckley there and A Night with the Country Stars, one of the many concerts that he promotes right around uh, the country. It was great to meet his mum uh, when I was in Dundrum. Uh, on last week, last uh, Thursday, wasn't it? Yeah, last Thursday. God, I don't know, one day from the other. Patrick Feeney is one of those stars. Let's have a listen to uh, a little piece of him uh, singing the PJ Murray song, uh, Drawing Little Men in the Ashes. I love this. And that's uh, Patrick Feeney, one of the stars of that night with Country Stars in Concert on this coming Friday night at uh, Brew Brew in Cashel. And again, that number 0626112. Uh, um, I always got a kick out of that because it's called uh, Drawing Little Men in the Ashes. And the story is PJ Murray, he wrote it, the uh, songwriter from Clare. And he was in a conversation, just a phone conversation with uh, Mick Flavin and uh, chatting away and he, he said to Mick how are you doing Mick how are things and Mick said I'm just sitting here drawing little men in the ashes and it was as simple as that and it twigged with him oh there's a great idea for a song and then he comes up with a lovely song that many many people indeed including himself have recorded over the last uh, few years listen around to say Fran I'd be grateful if you could read this out I left my wallet in a trolley in Aldi last Friday and I'm presuming, presuming that's Thurless from this particular listener. I only missed it when I got home that night. I'd uh, really like to thank the lady that left it into the store. The girl in Aldi didn't know who it was but I'm so grateful and I really appreciate it. A very honest person indeed. So well done. You see there's good people. There's good people out there. You mightn't think it half the time with what we're chatting about and on about but there's some very good people out there. Indeed. That's about it uh, from me. Emma produced Ali looks after her content. Uh, Stephen is on the way with the time tunnel and I will talk to you tomorrow. You'll be good now won't you? Bye bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.